Cereal, 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 cereal. Cereal, 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 cereal. This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we are, the halfway mark. This is Bazaween 2020, episode number three. Bet you're thinking to yourself, Duncan, how can we be halfway through this already? Well, time flies when you're having sadistic serial killer fun, which is what we're doing under the stairs and a little bit of Let's Get Serial. Now, joining me on this episode, carrying out a five-episode odyssey of atrocity, is none other than a long-time friend. He is a man that you crave, you need in your life. You covet him, as Hannibal Lecter would say. Uh, and what do you do when you covet? You covet the things that you see all around you. Well, you don't see this guy all around you because he's only here in certain times. When the seasons are right, when the moon transcends, only in the month of October. Will you experience the power of the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz? Hola, sexy house builders! <laughs> are, there, are there any sexy house builders, Baz? Mate, there are builders all around this country listening to this right now, losing their shit. It's <laughs> losing their shit. I am. Well, when I'm thinking about it, as soon as, as soon as the words left my mouth, I thought, well, did they not do an entire ad campaign for Diet Coke breaks involving men building houses? Yeah. I don't want you, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? And they're taking their shirts off. And yeah, men treated like sex objects, Duncan. I am appalled by the very thought. Never sexualise another human being unless it's your fucking spouse. Hashtag us or no. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, cuts both ways, ladies. Cuts both ways. I'm glad that that travelled over a whole year and landed again where it's still inappropriate. No, um, that was me. Hashtag me and all. Yeah, hashtag, this time it's hashtag us and all. Uh, I'm talking for the whole of. You've. Man, I, I nearly used the word mechanism there and it's just not a cool one to be don't do it, don't do it yeah. I was going to say as well when we're talking about sexy I don't know if he still listens because I've not spoken to him in about two months but Andy Blockley now builds houses so he and we, we've we already discussed that man is what I would class I get it so <laughs> yeah is Andy not doing like an apprenticeship like an adult apprenticeship he or something he must be finished it now he's been well no with the whole Covid thing he's probably not worked for a while um, probably not yeah so probably yeah but not. he is he's, he's trained to be a carpenter and he's building houses so Andy Blockley nice. you are one of the sexy and the house builders so this one's for you indeed indeed <laughs> Oh man, we I can't believe we're halfway through this and I suppose we should just get this out of the way right now. This is my substitution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't pick this. Did not pick this film. Are, are, are we still keeping secret what it was that was originally in this spot? Uh, no, we don't have to anymore because the reason I wanted it kept a secret is not going to happen now mm-hmm. because... We have decided upon something else. Which, by the way, not. is the greatest thing ever, and we need to make it happen. And I yeah, well, can't wait. It's, it's absolutely 100% happening. I know sometimes I have not come through with uh, my commentaries at Halloween because I hate doing commentaries, but, but we are doing it for that goddamn film. I have seen the film as well, and I'm telling you right now, the fact it took a conversation online to prompt me to think this is the best fucking thing ever for a commentary <laughs> upsets me because it's so obviously it's a goldmine because one it exists in an area where you actually have a ridiculous amount of knowledge about the, the, the past history of the director in a different uh-huh. medium and we'll leave it there but also the fact that it exists in a world where I've seen it and I know how fucking appalling it is, but how goddamn I cannot take my eyes off this. Let me watch this slow motion car crash again and again and again sort of way. I mean, it's going to be fucking amazing. And thirdly, just the fact it exists. Yeah, well, he's got another... (laughs) Well, the thing is, it didn't stop anything because he's got another one on the way, so... Awesome. Yes, I mean, a horror western as well and we're giving you no more hence beyond that so we are here and you originally had a list and on that list there was a movie and that movie is a bona fide classic um, yes it was one of the most dangerous quote-unquote movies on the video nasty list up there beside i spit in your grave for a start and cannibal holocaust um, this movie there, was, there's a couple of good times for everybody <laughs> surrounded by surrounded by a party of joy Baz cannot um, believe I have goddamn seen both of them nowadays I mean that makes, I mean? makes me happy it means that we're doing the, the good lord's work um, <laughs> but like on top of that as well it's the kind of filmic genre directorial debut of the mighty powerful master of horror Wes Craven that movie was The Town That Dreaded Sundown was it? yeah no one is it not? is that what was on your list? <laughs> this is why we should plan these things in advance was that what, what was that because that sounds like something I would have taken off your list was that what yeah. was it? I thought it was the last house on the left 
No, we've done the last house on the left. Well, that whole setup doesn't make sense now. There we go. <laughs> it was definitely the town that dreaded Sunday because uh, you think, asked if I was doing the original. Yes, and I, I think, said yes. Yeah, I think you need to go back through, back through our WhatsApp chat and see what you originally said you were going to do your commentary. No, it wasn't on a WhatsApp. It was on an audio recording, which is lost because I edited it. Oh, I see your game. <laughs> Make me out to be a fool, Baz, eh? That's your plan all along. Watch this. Watch me bring this cunt down a peg or two. I'm but why right. would they have picked the last house on the left for a, a, a serial killer theme? Because I thought we were doing the commentary and it has, like, killers in it that kill multiple people. No, but we're going to do it as a commentary because it was the one that I had originally put this on the list. That makes 100% sense. Yeah. It was the time that dreaded Sunday. I'm glad we're not doing that as a commentary because it would have been just a whole lot of why are they playing this goofy music? Who's doing the narration <laughs> on this? What are we doing here? And why is this not scary? <laughs> like in, in, in complete contrast to a movie like Zodiac where you're watching that going, I can't believe this happened. You know, in real life, this is fucking terrifying. You'd be like, I can't believe this happened and the fucking cops didn't catch him. My favourite <laughs> bit of that movie, which you've not seen, is the bit where all the cops dress up like women. Nice. Yep, because I like this will confuse them. Fucking handlebar moustached, fucking donut belly ridden cops, <laughs> reeking of booze like that. We're gonna sit in this car and pretend to make out so the killer will get us. Fucking <laughs> stupid fucking movie. Anyway, yeah. So that was what was on the list, and not Last House in the Left, which we reviewed last year. Obs. Yeah. Totally yeah. knew that. Totally knew that. Did not make a mistake here, and it is not the whiskey talking. Um. And instead, I said, you know what? Let's take that town that dreaded Sunday and let's put it here on the shelf of things we're not covering. (laughs) (laughs) And let's pick off the shelf of things we are covering a little movie that I think is worthy of discussion. It's your good friend, Lars von Trier. You remember him. He did such family favourites as Antichrist from 2009. Um, Previously covered on the... What was it? What did we call that again? That segment for uh, Baz V... Halloween. It was something like like unpleasant horror or uncomfortable horror or something like that. Unsettling Unsettling. horror. Unsettling. I was like, yeah, that movie that I picked specifically to make you really like feel uncomfortable in your own skin. He made a serial killer movie. You know what? It's got that guy from There's Something About Mary. This is going to be a (laughs) joyous ride for all. Uma Thurman's in it. She played Poison Ivy. Let's watch a good old romp uh, named after apparently originally a a folklore tale, but it's been replicated many times over. The house that Jack built. Now, Baz, is it safe to say when I suggested this, at first you were slightly apprehensive? I was a little bit. Um, in fairness, the synopsis of this film looks very good. Mm. Oh dear. That's not to say that the film is oh not good, by the way. That. <laughs> oh dear. I'm giving away our cards here, Baz. Uh, that the synopsis, came out wrong. The synopsis re- read very well. I wish I'd watched that fucking movie. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but, I, I mean, Von Trier is. I, I he's like, an interesting character. He's a, he's a weird guy, right? He's a he's you know, like and any interview I've ever seen with him, he's a weird guy. And this is the movie he is essentially coming back with after being essentially ostracized from the filmic community for the best part of what, three, four years? After Nymphomaniac where he cracked a joke about Hitler in front of the Cannes crowd and was booed out the building. Don't do the Hitler jokes. 
Don't do it. And then don't make the house of Jack built and then start making direct references to Hitler, uh, which we're going to get to. Um, now, now, right, see, you say you can't make Hitler jokes, but you're saying this to the guy who, during the course of his episodes on this show, mm-hmm. transformed himself into a fascist dictator. You did. Okay. At no point did you have a, a pencil moustache, so we're fine. Toothbrush moustache. Toothbrush moustache, sorry, thank you. Pencil moustache is the thin one, isn't it? That's right. I should remember that because it was the moustache of the new metal singer. So, <laughs> so <laughs> the moustache of choice, um, the fashion. As opposed to the toothbrush moustache, which is the tooth, the moustache of Ramstein. Yeah, Ramstein. We love you, Ramstein. <laughs> if you want to sponsor the yeah. show, don't know how that would work. Stop, um, just stop making dildos and yeah. sponsor us. <laughs> Do hast my attention. Um, (laughs) 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 uh, Yeah, so we're doing The House That Jack Built. Um, My substitution, I saw this movie and it's very, very, very limited, as in it had, I think it was two nights it played in the UK. Um, I dragged Big Sexy Sex Bomb Dave along with me. How I managed to do that, I'll never know. Let's go and watch this art house serial killer movie, Dave. Why? Who directed it? Uh, this guy who is Danish and directs fucking art house movies. Oh, him, I fine. Um, I dragged him along. We saw the uncut version, which if you own the movie or have watched it on the streaming sites that is available, um, it is uncut, I believe, there as well now. Don't know why it was registered as cut, because didn't have a massive, didn't have like a, a large scale cinema release to merit yeah. the, the edits, but we'll get, that's another story. But we saw that then and I loved it. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was fucking brilliant and Dave thought it was good. And that's as far as he, he wouldn't go any further than that for me. And I know your issues with Von Trier because we did yeah. Antichrist. So I yeah. knew that your issues with Von Trier are amplified heavily in this movie. Um, it's a big fucking neon sign my arrow saying, look, Buzz, look, art house, art house, I'm smart, you're not. Um, so I am fully aware of that. However, in terms of the movies we've selected from a serial killer, pound for pound, I think this is the best. Uh, in terms of the one that actually covers serial killer content, the journey of a serial killer, their quirks, and also yeah. directly references from serial killers. So that's why I put it on the list, regardless oh. of its faults. It, it's, it's certainly it's certainly very apt for the theme this year. There is yes. no getting by that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, that's why I put it on there. But like I say, and I'm not trying to preempt the listeners here who genuinely enjoyed this movie. There's a lot of people high on this movie. And I'm I'm not saying that Baz is going to shit all over it, but Baz did send me a message, and <laughs> it was something on the lines of like "fuck you, Lars von Trier" or "fucking Lars von Trier" or something. It, it, it was just "fucking Lars von Trier," man. Yeah. So that's exactly what it said. It even said it, even though it was just a text. Yep. It sounded that sarcastic way. Yeah. Fucking I, Lars von Trier, man. See, I was stuck in this behind these three doors in front of me is a different version of Baz one of them is fucking Lars von Trier man one of them is fucking Lars von Trier man another one's like fucking Lars von Trier man 
<laughs> so I didn't know which door were open in the night, so it's yeah. behind one of these three doors. I think the that listener... last guy doesn't appear very often. <laughs> that, that last guy is not on the show, Duncan. Um, but we'll find out where we land with this one. It's it's a long movie. It is. That is every goddamn movie we're doing. The majority year. of the fucking things. No, I don't check things like that though. I don't check runtime, Duncan. I my job is to sit here and be sexy. Listen, when you're looking up FHM Magazine's top 10 serial killer movies list for, for your inspiration... Please tell me that's a thing. Please tell me that's a thing. Oh, it's bound to be, man. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be out there somewhere. Um, and I'll not be serial killer movies. Like, it won't be at all. It'll be things that don't like, necessarily quantify, but I'll have just like women with amazing racks. And those are the movies we should have fucking covered this year. She just covered it like, was she just a, you know, Baz V porn? We've been joking about it for a long time. Let's just do it. That was that was touted as a possible episode one like, year, wasn't yeah, it? Like horror porn parodies. Yeah. Which yeah. we we had a list of them and it never happened. And to be honest with you, I'm the part of me feels that the <laughs> listeners have missed out on audio gold, but the other part of me feels that I have saved myself a small fortune on uh, psychiatrist fees. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, and I've saved myself a fortune on divorce bills. <laughs> it's for Duncan's podcast, but yeah. what? But why is she doing anal? It's for Duncan's podcast. <laughs> um, this is what he makes me watch. Yeah. He makes me. That's the way Dracula does it. That's the way Dracula does it. <laughs> He's well known for it. Yeah, Vlad the Impaler, you say? Um, <laughs> More like Vlad the Uphill Gardener. <laughs> <laughs> sure I've seen that volumes one and two um, so, so, so we're, we're, we're going to be covering on this one so if you hate this movie Baz this is legitimately the only one in this run of movies where you can blame someone else yeah yeah this absolutely guy, this guy right here <laughs> this fucking guy this fucking guy now we are recording this one remember when we were being all like and you would call him Barry Big Boss about how many shows we would have recorded before October swung around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. never happened again. Uh, did no, it? no, no. <laughs> we are on the 2nd of yeah. October. Yeah, yeah. Our first and... episode's already out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so October's in full swing. Before we jump into a break and then come back to discuss the movie, um, I... Obviously, everyone knows I do my 31 of October, but you've set yourself an ambitious challenge this year. <laughs> uh, and it's to, it's to clear your TiVo box or Sky Plus box or whatever you call it. Go and let the listeners know out there what, what you are hoping to have achieved by Halloween. Yeah, basically, um, <laughs> a, a good number of months ago, um, I recorded The Fog... On, it was on Film 4, mm, nice. which is a channel that's available over here in the UK. And I thought I hadn't, I hadn't seen The Fog since I was a student. I thought, you know, well, it'll be fun to revisit that now with my broad encyclopedic knowledge of the horror film genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that. And for some reason, it seemed to apply like a series link to these Film 4 movies. Oh, 
It just started randomly recording kind of horror movies off of film four. Mm-hmm. And I kept kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll keep that, I'll keep that. And my, my basically my skybox is just absolutely full of <laughs> the oddest array of horror films you've ever come across. So I decided, you know, I probably can't do... I'd really like to do 31 Days of Horror, but I've just not got the time at the moment with the kids and I fall asleep too often and blah, blah, blah. But do you know what? If I could get all of them off my Skybox by the end of October, I would be quite happy with myself. So that's the plan. But a couple of the films on there are later parts of a franchise, for instance, Sinister 2, and there's one of the later Insidious ones. So I made this deal with myself that for films like that, I would also revisit the earlier films, uh, which I've seen. Uh, I was going to revisit them as well and then watch the one that's on the box. Uh, And then fucking Mandy came on. (laughs) Yeah. It's there as well to get dealt with. Um, so yeah, so that's my current plan. Uh, safe to say, I fail at the first hurdle. Um, this, this is the the second of October. Last night, I was unable to join in with the cast commentary mm. that you did of uh, Amulet. Amulet, yeah. I was unable to do that. I had other things on, so went to bed and thought, you know what? I'll push through and I'll just pick a random film from somewhere, mm-hmm. watch it on my iPad, and I picked um, Random Acts of Violence, mm-hmm. which is by Jay Baruchel, and is on Shudder here yeah, in a, the UK. Yeah, and the States is a Shudder exclusive. Yeah, um, and I, I like watching films in Shudder because those two or three that I watch every year more than make up for the 50-odd <laughs> quid I spend in my membership <laughs> of it. And uh, yeah, so I watched half of that, so I'm hopefully going to watch the second half tonight. So if I carry on at this rate, it'll be the 15 days of Halloween. <laughs> Which, Probably. to be fair, is like a good 10 more than you watched last year. Yeah, I know, I know. But d- doubling up the issue, however, is the fact that my mum is up staying with us mm. for a period of time at the moment. So... Uh, <sighs> We all know the stories of my domineering Presbyterian mother. She's not domineering at all, but she is very Presbyterian. Literally, um, what this whole segment is predicated on. Yes, that's why you have the baz, basically. And um, (laughs) so I'm now kind of having to wait for my mum to go to bed before I can start. There's basically, there's not a hope in hell. If I get through three of these films by Halloween, I'll be doing well. You know what I mean? Um, the, the The thing that's genuinely made me distraught is obviously in the UK as we as we chat right now um, things have kind of moved back <laughs> in terms of our progress against Covid yeah. um, so we're back to you can't visit other people's houses and stuff because I had like about three or four movies specifically picked out and was going to get you rimmed into the yes. cinema room and we yeah. were going to sit and watch some and like fucking munch on popcorn and Baz was going to bring his special bucket with him and just and generally have a great time. Yeah, and that's been <sighs> fucked hard in the anus. In the right, right in the anus. In that anus, lublessly. Is that a word? Lublessly. It is now lublessly. Yeah. Um, 
Yep, so that's not happening now and we're going to have to wait until all this pish has moved before I can get around to watch some movies. But yeah, that my plan was I was going to obviously get a, a few of these screeners that I get in, some of these these movies that I cover because I only do new horror movies in my 31 and get you around to do them. But that's not going to happen this year. Next year, Baz, it will happen. Yes. And we maybe... I'll, I'll move in. <laughs> <laughs> for 31 days I'm I'll sure leave my, I'll leave my family yep. move in with Duncan <laughs> 31 days it's the only way I can uh, guarantee you'll watch them all let's uh, make it happen Donkey boy it is worth saying as well because it's the 2nd of October first episode is out thank you very much for all the love and feedback we're getting which is suffice to say fucking tremendous I've had nothing but love and good vibes coming out on the Twitter on the Facebook um, on the Instagram, like people are, are going crazy. The one thing we would say is use the hashtag Bazoween2020. Um, if you wouldn't mind, it would make me happy. Also, let us know, you know, you're checking out the show. It's a good way for us to track things on social media. But um, off that first episode with the Zodiac, our good buddy Matt Jones has asked if it is at all possible when things get back to a sense of normality, can we live stream? a Baz and Duncan cocktail hour and I'm just letting you know that I am in and all I need to know is if Baz is in Duncan you had me at cocktail basically. you had me you at had, cock you, you had me at cock <laughs> that would have been funny if I had said that that would have been good you had me um, at cock and hour that is all I needed to hear that is all cock I needed to tail <laughs> <laughs> So that's that is that is we will do it. We will we will live stream it. It will get messy. I'm looking forward to it. Right, yeah, we are going to Aqua Velva right up. That's the thing that's worrying me is what happens if after all the slagging it tastes amazing. Yes. <laughs> and that's our new drink of choice. Like, like, like pouring the whiskey <laughs> down the sink, saying this is shite. This whiskey. Uh, Fuck this beer. Fix me my blue caraco. <laughs> Right, folks, with that, we're going to take our break, our first break, and, well, well, I've won it at the end, but our first break before we get into the movie review proper. You're going to hear promos for shows that we love. You're going to hear another saucy selection from Bazzy's curated list of music for this series. Um, I'll be honest, I'm fucking loving everything you're picking thus far. It is making me smile, and I'm not just saying that because my inner goth jumped up and down with glee and the mention of Wednesday 13. <laughs> I can't help it um, it's hashtag life goals uh, but yeah you're then going to hear the trailer for the house that Jack built from 2018 when we return it's Bazoween episode 3 time as the Baz runs a train on Lars Von Trier right after this hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try they must be destroyed on sight the new podcast cure-all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper paul romali and the odd guest host cure what ails you warning may cause atrophy 
African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
Your house is a fine little house, Jack. Are you allowed to speak along the way? I was thinking there might be rules. Let me put it this way. Very few make it all the way without uttering a word. But do carry on merrily. Just don't believe you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. That was maybe a mistake. What was maybe a mistake? Me getting in this car with you. You might as well be a serial killer. Sorry, but you do kind of look like one. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. think about all the things I've done in my life without in any way resulting in punishment. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So you just heard the trailer for The House That Jack Built, released in the UK December 14th, 2018. That's right, Christmas movie. Um, and that's when I went to see it, and it was amazing. Uh, written and directed by Lars von Trier, based on, like I say, the story and screenplay by Lars von Trier. It's safe to say this is a Lars von Trier film. Uh, the movie itself <laughs> stars Matt Dillon, Bruno Ganz, Uma Thurman, uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan, Sophie Grabal, Riley Keough, Jamie Davis, Jack McKenzie, Ed Spelliers. David Bailey, Matthias Ham. <laughs> every fucking time. Every fucking time. Uh, JTU and Emil Throtstrup. Um, <laughs> that's how you pronounce that. It is how you pronounce that. That, that last one was uncanny. Yep. Uh, it's almost as if I was speaking the mother tongue. Um, <laughs> the synopsis for this movie is The story follows Jack, a highly intelligent serial killer, over the course of 12 years and depicts the murders that really develop his inner madman. 
I do not think that synopsis does justice to this fucking movie. Uh, a couple of things I want to get out of the way. Do you know the actor that plays Verge? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's you a do. story about that. All right, so, if it's in your notes, I'm going to hold back because it's my favourite fact ever. Hold back. Yeah, and once again, maybe leans into the, Lars, I understand that you may have made some comments at Ken's a couple of years ago, <laughs> but did you have to take that one step further? Did you really just have to just like, it's like, it's almost as if he, he just can't help himself. He's like, look at me, what are you going to do about it? Um, yeah, I mean, this movie played at Cannes. Uh, got a 10 minute standing ovation as well as had a, I think it was contrasted with 10 minutes of booing and people walking out during it because it's can and that's what they do. It's all theatrics there. Um, I am super curious about this one. I think the one thing that's not mentioned in its description on IMDb where it says crime, drama and horror uh, it's comedy because I think there's a lot of black humour in here and I'll be interested to see if it translated to you. This movie in a lot of respects reminds me of the humour that you get in a movie like American Psycho. Um, Baz, I am, to see I am curious is an understatement. The floor is yours sir, let us know what you made of the house that Jack built. Absolutely Duncan, let's get right in about this. Fucking Lars von Trier, man. (laughs) Door number one. Uh, (laughs) Hi, Baz. Didn't know you were reviewing this movie. What a guy he is. Tell you. The house that Jack built. No half measures. Nah, nah. That's been obviously... um, Back in episode one, when we we talked about Zodiac, uh, I explained in depth how both the film Zodiac and multiple streaming channels and television channels just booted me in the balls with that film. Yep. This one was quite similar as well. This thing, I'm sure, was on Amazon Prime until about a week before we decided these films. I will... And and then they took it off. I will 100% agree with that because when when I originally substituted this one in... Yeah, as a suggestion, it was available on Amazon Prime when I went to sit and watch it. For this recording, it wasn't available on Amazon Prime. So That's I right, the Fucking Blu-ray. I was Baz in this situation. I had to purchase the Blu-ray, and I was like, "That this was available on streaming sites. Why am I spending my money on my suggestion?" It's like I lost the war, Baz. But you love the thing. I did, but I didn't buy it because it was available on a streaming site. Oh, right, fair enough. Right, it's well, definitely I... things like Arrow, Arrow release titles. It's like first day purchase for me because I don't pay for the Arrow streaming site, so I'm like, I need to own this. Most of the other stuff, I only ever really pick it up when it's on sale. Given a right, the carton. Okay. I'm not like one of these, I must support Lars von Trier. I'm going to buy yeah. it day one. I'll wait for it to be like a fiver or like one of these <laughs> like six for 30 and I'm like I'll buy it then look at me support <laughs> Lars von Trier um, and yeah so, independent filmmakers yeah so I now own it I now own yeah. it I, I'm glad but, I own it actually because the revisit was kind of cool but at the same well, time though I could have been doing without <clears throat> originally when I suggested it I was like that this is a freebie for Baz and me and turns out 
it cost us both dearly. <laughs> yes. I, I own it now as well. Yay. And to make matters worse, it's by the same sodding company that made my Antichrist Blu-ray and my uh, Bunny Games fucking DVD and they put the words along the spine the wrong way round and yep. that just ruins my life. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, we have marginally contributed towards Lars von Trier's new outdoor pool. God damn it. <laughs> A pool filled with fucking broken penises. Yeah. And God yeah. knows what else. Yeah. Fucking Nazis, probably. Right. Rain it back. <laughs> Rain it back. <laughs> the film opens with a dialogue. It's basically Matt Dillon's in this, and you know, <laughs> you mentioned it earlier on, I know who Matt Dillon is. Yep. Quite familiar with Matt Dillon. But when I started watching the film, I'm like, what have I actually seen Matt Dillon in? Oh, I right. Well, he was in or something about Mary. Mm-hmm. But what else? And I ended up on his IMDb, and I I think that possibly the only thing I've ever seen Matt Dillon in is there's something about Mary. He was in that really weird, awkward comedy that I loved, um, One Night in McCool's. Never seen it. It's like if you've never seen it, watch it. I think it's one day it'll be one of my Saturday screenings on the Teapots cast commentaries because it is a woefully underseen comedy which I think is, it's got John Goodman in it it's it's like a Rashomon thing uh, where it's what? like Rashomon that's not a thing Rashomon is a thing it's not that's made up no you son of a bitch <laughs> I will come round to your house that will hurt you uh, Rash, you know the story of Rashomon no right Rashomon is a Japanese story slash poem which basically depicts one crime but told from different perspectives alright yeah yeah so it's, you're basically getting the same story told from different it's that sort of thing in a comedy so it's the, the, there's an event that happens one night at a bar called McCool's and it's recollected by different people and Matt Dillon is in that movie and out with that I could not remember the last time I saw him in something that wasn't an awkward comedy and then yeah. I remember when it was his name was flung against this one and I was like that this sounds like a terrible idea Lars um, but not according to Wikipedia because according to Wikipedia he's regarded as like one of the two greatest actors of his generation I yeah, mean calm down anyone can right. edit and I think I think if you you check the old uh, last edited by it might be edited by Matt Dillon <laughs> or his publicist potentially and saying that, he's fucking great here, so... Yes, he, he is very good in this, I will give him that. And the film itself opens with a dialogue between him and another character who we don't know who it is at the moment. This whole intro bit made a lot more sense in my second watching when I was taking my notes, because obviously I know who this car- character is. And he also links back to later on in the movie, because we... Yes, that's match right. Back up. Yeah, yeah some of the things that are said get said later on in the film and we see where it has come from kind of thing um, Matt Dillon then tells us that he's going to tell his tale in five incidents over a period of 12 years and then the film then breaks down into these five kind of inc- well, incidents and uh, plus an epilogue at the end which we'll get to <laughs> um, incident one which is <laughs> Epilogue. Baz hates this bit. Um, <laughs> in brackets. Uh, we'll get to it though. 
Incident one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack is driving his rape van. <laughs> and he is, he is driving a van. Honestly, if somebody buys one of those things secondhand, you should just phone the police. Yep. The rape van is a little old place where we can drive together non-consensually. This is the rape van. Rape van baby. Oh, rape van winkle. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even make sense. The, the, the rape van winkle says a rip van rape van winkle would be his porn name. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I don't know, on some BDSM site. Or possibly it might be Rape Torn. <laughs> it's like there's a, there is a porn director and I'm giving away too much of my proclivity to certain porn. <laughs> but there is a... There is a <laughs> you always have to watch what you put out in the world because this is recorded and up there forever. But there is a... There is a rape... There is a rape director. Listen to me. There is a... <laughs> I don't watch that. I swear I don't watch that. <laughs> I never did. Uh, I was cleaning it and it went off. Um, there is a... There is a porn director called Jack the Zipper. <laughs> which is the greatest... It's up there with Bend Over is the greatest fucking porn name ever. And he does, he does a slightly, shall we say, kinky beast. Um, I'm not going into details. Uh, not in this show. We'll leave that for the Patreon paywall show. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, he's driving his, I would say... Useful van, you would see rape. Van. <laughs> Utility vehicle, it's a yeah. rape van. He's driving it down a wooded road. Um, he gets flagged down by a rather snooty looking woman. Um, she's got a flat tire and a broken jack. That's a bro- ironic. A, bro- a jack that can't be fixed, Baz. Almost like there's something wrong with it. Hashtag. Symbolism. <laughs> Hashtag what? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag uh? <laughs> Oh dear. Right, anyway, right. So she's broken down by the side of the road here. Um, she convinces him to drive her to Sonny's repair shop. Um, he appears rather kind of hesitant to take her there. It's probably because she's a grade A bitch. Oh, this is... Th- uh, I love this- Uma Thurman as well. I think she's a fucking incredible actress. You know, I did not know this was Uma Thurman until now, till right now. Really? Even you mentioned earlier on who it was, or the, rather that Uma Thurman was in this. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my notes going, who did Uma Thurman play in this? Ah, yeah, this is, this is, this is the, a, a later day of Uma Thurman. We are, we are several years removed from her rather sultry performances, uh, Poison Ivy, and uh, the amazing Batman movie that she was in. Um, but like Kill Bill and all the rest. Oh, this is, yeah, I, I, she doesn't do many acting performances at all much. To be honest with you, I think she 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 picks and chooses. Well, she's at that great position that certain actors and actresses get to, where they can, you know, they're afforded the opportunity to pick the directors they actually want to work with, as yeah. opposed to doing yeah. the Nicolas Cage approach of the tax man's coming to kill my money. I need to do twenty five movies this year, all shot straight to VOD. Um, apparently, she's a massive fan of Lars von Trier, so hence why she's in here. 
for a very small role, but you are right. I don't... It takes a lot for me to viciously dislike a character in a movie, right? Yeah. I have certain ones. We've spoken about this before when we did Friday the 13th Part 3 way back in the day. You're like, Shelley's just an awkward guy. And oh, like, yeah, no, yeah, like Tim Burn, burn him yeah. and the Wicker Man. You know, like, there's, there's few characters that really... Her character is arguably one of the most annoying characters in cinema history like she is from the moment she sets foot in that car I would have been like walk yeah she's repelling yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely I mean, repelling it's serving a purpose but at the same time though we spend a bit of time like Jack like to be honest I would have been Jack by the end of this scene right oh absolutely yeah I actually think I've got that in my notes somewhere <laughs> well um, go for it then yeah, honestly, yeah, absolutely repelling. But I'm the same as you. You do come across characters like that. Like, I mean, there's her and everybody that was in wrong turn. <laughs> I'm going to chuck him a drink. Like the whole goddamn franchise. Oh, wrong turn. What was it, four or five that fucking Doug Bradley shows up as the fucking, uh, easily the most reprehensible fucking performance in the history of man. Yeah. I hated that movie so fucking much. I can't even remember what one it was. Uh, 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 the That's only thing I can remember, beyond beyond the, the first one, the only thing I can remember is that wee bird for Emmerdale who ended up ruining her career on Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> you told me that story and I was like, that that. she never chair. fucking did and you were like, yeah, yeah. I checked it afterwards and I was like, she really did fuck her career. Oh, in the ass. Why would you do it in a reality TV show, Bas? Like, she, she's married to a joiner now. Like, she's absolutely fucking nothing good. Once again, nothing against joiners. She's married to Blockley. <laughs> this is a reverse start. <laughs> um, God, right. We're not even at the first scene yet. Right. It's going to be a long one. Anyway, th- this repellent woman gets in, in Jack's rape van. Um, he appears kind of hesitant to take her. Which is kind of interesting. I don't know if this is his first kill. Um, Technically is, yeah. Is it? Right, okay. Uh, Because he kills a lot more people than you see in this film. Mm -hmm. um, As you kind of get to find out at the end kind of thing. But um, it's like he's almost struggling with something at this point. Like, I don't want you to get in this car as I'm going to kill you. Temptation bars, yes, you're hit. You're, 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 me and you right now are fucking syncing up. People can't see the, the video chat, but we are syncing up right now. Me and you. It does look like I'm giving you the fingers, but what I'm saying is your your brain is going into my brain. We're syncing up. I don't know if I am. Um. <laughs> Wait till you hear this, Duncan. This scene is shite. Um. <laughs> so, anyway, so the drive off, he's going to take her to this like repair shop that he knows some wee guy, Sonny. Um, as they're driving along, she's like, you look like a serial killer. And then she just will not fucking stop talking about him killing her. This is the bit where I'd be like, please walk. Yeah, honestly, because I really don't want to kill you, but I think I'm starting to get there now. Mm-hmm. Um, she, even, she goes out her way to highlight things like, this. I'm so silly for sitting in this car with you. This would be the perfect place to kill me because no one would hear it. You could just yeah. dispose of my body over here in the woods where no one would find me. And you're like, right, come on. Yeah, come yeah on. shut the fuck up, man. Um, 
they get there, so they go to Sonny's bit, uh, and she then he basically fixes her jack for her, and she then bullies Jack into driving him back, or driving her back again, which I saw coming. They get there, um, and on the way back, she's like, "Now you can't kill me because yeah. you made the mistake of letting him see us together." I'm like, oh my fucking god, him! I'm about to kill you. Um, as much as this movie was in 3D, so yeah, she gets so he takes her back to her car. She tries to use the, the newly repaired jack, and it immediately breaks. And he's like, 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 I'm going to go on and go on with my day here. Um, and she just bullies him into running her back to Sunny's again. And uh, on the way now, she starts uh, ridiculing him. Yeah, she got, you can't be a serial killer because yeah. you're too much of a... I won't say the word, but you know the word. Yeah, I've written wimp here. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I think it's that one. <laughs> it's the word that Baz doesn't like that we won't yeah. see. And, uh, and then he fucks on the face with the jack. <laughs> Now, I've, sp- I've specifically written that bluntly like that because it is, it, it's that sudden snapping and he just grabs it and fucks her right in the face with it. Well, we get and the scene uh, played multiple times as well and it's the angle. Yes. It's a vicious fuck. Like, once again, Lars von Trier doesn't, like, cut back on the, the gore in his movies, like, by any stretch of the imagination. He's like, remember that time we saw a man's dick get smushed? Well, we see the look on her face when we see the giant jack-sized fucking mark right in the yeah. middle of the dish. Yeah. Uh, and then that bit was quite cool. <laughs> and then it cuts to a black and white film of a pianist and more of this spoken dialogue nonsense. It's not nonsense. <laughs> so apparently apparently the, the artist is famous and represents art in this tale. It represents the struggle for perfection. Fuck off, pish. <laughs> we, then, we then hear Dylan, or, or uh, Jack, rather. <laughs> you're going to listen back to this episode one day, and you're going to hear the bit where I'm like that. Actually, Baz, this represents the pursuit of perfection, and you coarsely saying, fuck off, pish. Right, Baz? <laughs> <laughs> That's your response. Um... He's, he's then, so you hear uh, Jack waffling on to this character whose name it comes out, and I don't think it's at this point, I think it's maybe in two or three scenes down the line. His name is Virgil, but he refers to him as Virch. Yes. Um, he is played by... <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. This is the bit that we get to have fun. Now, I saw this name come up at the start of the film, or an IMDb or something, I... You know, previous to this part, I had seen um, <laughs> the name come up, and you don't actually see this character until much later on oh, in the film. Way near the end, it's like the yeah, last twenty-five ne- minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, basically. But you hear them talk quite a lot through it. The the voice didn't give me any hint really, other than it had a kind of Germanic Austriany type accent to it. It could, it could be safe to say, Baz, that this guy is more famous than Dylan. If, mean, if memes yeah. and gifts are currency in which our society now bases fame. Which is the case if you are my daughter. 
Um, and I thought, who is that? Oh, I know who he is. I know who he is. He's the guy that plays the SS officer in the Glorious Bastards. Hmm. He's not, though, is he? No, bad. You're no, in, you're in, that, you're in the right oeuvre. That's Christoph Waltz. Yeah, you're in the right oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. So I go all the way through this film waiting for Christoph Waltz to come out, right? <laughs> all the way through from nearly the goddamn end. Christoph Waltz has let himself go. Yeah, he is looking old. What fucking age was he when he did that glorious bastard? <laughs> I need to see that with my wife. <laughs> Right, yeah, so, anyway, we'll re- do the big reveal later on. Mm. Um, he, he waffles on to him about gothic architecture for a while. Yes. And killing this woman. So we now find out that Jack kind of claims to be an engineer, but he's a kind of frustrated architect. Yeah. Um, he has bought a plot of land in which he is going to build a house. Mm-hmm. Which would be the house that Jack built. Hashtag symbolism! (laughs) (laughs) That's about uh, about the level of my understanding of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also revealed or hinted at at this point that um, Jack has OCD or has had it and is kind of battling it and he can't leave a shit ever in this movie is that yeah. stuff is the greatest thing that's ever happened in cinema I mean you, you, are, you are bang on what you say there, there's some very very black humour in this film oh yeah it's, oh, it's funny <laughs> but it's, it's pretty fucking dark um, one of the problems is that he can't leave a room if it's messy and that will come in can, can I just shortly. say like I like, there's a lot of people that joke about OCD. Like that, it's like a common thing now where people are like, oh, you know, you know, I can't, I just can't leave my house untidy. Oh, OCD, and you're like, right, well, see, when you leave the house, do you physically feel your your chest compress and you know, like panic? Oh, you don't feel that's not OCD. Speaking yeah, yeah. of someone who was in a band many moons ago, you know this, Baz, um, and one of the oh, members yes. did have OCD. And there's no getting, and that OCD spiralled into a series of what I can only describe as the worst fucking ticks that his OCD mm. was based on, and seeing the repercussions of him not being able to fulfil said ticks. Anyone that jokes about OCD does not. It's a common punchline of a joke nowadays, but it's a fucking. It is a horrible thing to witness, and I, I can't imagine what it's like to have. But it's a horrible thing to witness. Yeah, I fully agree. I find it hard to take that from you being the guy that you used to hide his guitar solo tablature from him so he would spiral into what can only be described as psychotic rage and sobbing. I have said many things, (laughs) Baz, and I will reiterate on this, this, this show here. I am not a nice guy. Well, I'm like I'm the guy that I, I, I grew up with two brothers, right, in a, a single parent household, and like literally, if you show me any level of weakness at all, the first thing there's like a laser pointer on that. As soon as you're like, 
I don't like spiders. Well, guess fucking what? The next thing I'm buying and bringing to yours is that. It's just to get. I'm a horrible individual. I'm. I'm not a nice guy at all. You guys are like, no, Duncan, he releases podcasts. I do, and that is the penance for all the bad shit I've done. Trust it's me, there's a lot of, of it. It's all part of his big plan to ruin yeah. your lives, folks. It, it really is. But yeah, now. It is the, the, the idea of, and I'll, I'll say this and we're going to get to in a second, the portrayal of OCD in this, I think is very accurate. It's like in terms of what I've seen, in terms of the way that, because it's something that the, it's, a, it's almost across the movie has to bear, but then manages to disregard when it doesn't become convenient and they do it in a way which isn't realistic but is a way that you kind of have to go with otherwise this movie would be maddening um, yeah but yeah. The, the whole setup to this way basically listen, I can't leave a room if it's untidy I just can't do it it'll plague on my mind it's my OCD quirk and I'm like alright let's see how that plays out many movies try that but don't stick true to the I'll get Lars von Trier at least attempts to try and put it right on the, the screen I think he does it alright yeah it- what bugged me about it is it, it, it ties in very heavily to one of the incidents and works very well and then as you say is completely ignored yeah, later on they throw it out he throws it out very 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 quickly as soon as he realises that to continue that throughout the entire movie is not practical yeah um, he has a walk-in freezer that he's bought from a guy who we can only assume is dead Um <laughs> And he uses this to keep the bodies. Uh, it's also full of frozen pizzas, which is odd. Um, which he never and, eats. I mean, and it has a door to another room that he can't open. Can't open. It's, om- mm. we'll it's almost like there's something in there. Hashtag symbolism, Maz. Um, trend it. He, he, dep- <laughs> he deposits the woman in this freezer and then goes back and ditches her car just over the state border, which obviously is a thing. Uh, we have kind of similar issues in uh, in this country in terms of what are called these county lines, drug gangs and stuff like that. You get down. It's, but it's maybe not. Yeah, it's maybe not as bad nowadays. But yeah. in the time period this movie set, and specifically off the back of the, remember we talked about that it was a big conceit in the Zodiac movie is. This dude was just yeah. fucking freely just jump between um, you know state lines and just doing all manner of fucking shit and no one yeah. was tying it up. Uh, as, uh, as I can see, maybe not so much nowadays, but it's a smart move. Jack, I would say, maybe is a smart man. Yeah, but is it? I, I'm sure. Does he not actually say at this point that that was almost a happy coincidence? He didn't really mean to do it. But it worked out fucking yeah. great for him. I think there's a there's a thing like Lars von Trier. Like we'll get to this at the end, but I, I saw the Q and A with him um, during this movie. So basically, the, at the start of this movie, there was a Q and A, um, pre-recorded, obviously. Uh, so yeah. me and Dave had to sit through fucking about half an hour of this shite before the <laughs> it wasn't shite. It was Lars von Trier talking, but like it could have been condensed to like five minutes. Um, a lot of this stuff to basically get to ostensibly the film and he mentioned a few things about his research specifically to do with American serial killers and all the rest and there's just the idea of serial killers themselves early on feel a level of invulnerability or almost this godlike status because they perceive they can't be caught or the police can't catch them and actually when you look at the details most of it is because happy accident oh I've dumped Uh the body here no one's went up that way 
oh, you know, I left the car here. Well, it was attributed to something else. It's not because it's planned out. It's a happy accident, which is what Jack gets here. He parks it over the state lines. Police are going to link it to something else. It's never going to come back to him. Jack is a happy guy. He is indeed. He is indeed. And then I've written here, it looks like it was his first kill. I'd have killed that annoying bitch. <laughs> Actually, what I've written here. <laughs> Good luck. He's lucky he was dealing with later day Uma Thurman and not kill Bill Uma Thurman. Indeed. He'd have the fucking five-finger death punch. <laughs> Incident two. Jack's in his rape van. <laughs> for following a woman about. I think we all know where that's going. <laughs> um, he, he watches this woman go into her house um, and he, then he goes up to the door, rings the doorbell. <laughs> he, initially, he initially claims to be a policeman. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks to see his badge, not his rusty sheriff one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even in my notes. That just came to me there and I thought I have to say it. I've got to say it. That, that slight pause you heard there it was you was, was me battling with myself. Going, don't say that. Don't. It doesn't even fit into the context. Let, and then the other bit of me going, that fucking just. Let, 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 let me just get a line from the buzz here, though. If, if this movie had him bend over and expose his bare arsehole to that woman, this would be the greatest movie ever. Great, greatest film of the noughties. <laughs> Did a, a little bit of East Ventura, Pet Detective 2. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> I did the whole thing through through ass talk. That would have been amazing. Didn't happen though. Didn't happen. His badges yeah. are we being. His badges are we being. You've ruined this movie for me. It's being polished. Good, good. Um, tell you what though. Mm. Tell you what though. Tell me. I bet Matt Dillon's anus is just waxed within an inch of its life. Yes. Americans are not like see like, what, you've opened the door to weird conversations I feel like I now need to interject Americans don't appear to have hair like in places like us fucking hairy bastards in Scotland well at least porn stars don't right yeah yeah I'm just they're, they're, say, the, they're the perfect example of the average person they're the perfect example of how body hair doesn't grow anywhere except your dick when it's shaved. It's like literally, like, like there's nothing anywhere else, and that is not a realistic depiction. And I'm going to say, you know what, Baz? I bet you Matt Dillon has fucking a specialist that bleaches that anus. Oh, honestly, it's like looking at a Kindle paper face. <laughs> <laughs> But with less words, obviously. <laughs> less lips are shut. <laughs> really just the colour. <laughs> so a really bold movie did by getting fucking Corinthians <laughs> Volume 3 on here. Look at this. <laughs> and lo and behold. <laughs> um, right. Oh. Right, so she's like, right, well, let me see your badge. He comes up with the biggest load of shit as to why he doesn't have it about it's a way getting fucking some metal pinned on it or some bollocks um, she's very sceptical um, <laughs> so are we <laughs> yeah, oh yeah yeah uh, refuses to let him in um, he then makes it out like this was some kind of test oh well done mm-hmm. I was just testing you um, 
It's like it's like the male equivalent of when you're fooling around with a partner and you, you try the old finger up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they're like, oh, I don't, and you're like, I was, I wasn't gonna do it. It was just a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they allowed you to buzz, that two fingers were going up. That, well, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Next minute, you know, you've fisted them into the emergency room. <laughs> you're, you're working their mouth like a ventriloquist dummy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm with you on this one, Baz. But he's, yeah. like, he's like, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I, I was on a joke. Sorry, Doctor, I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> she fell. <laughs> I mean, but, but he, I love the way he does it because the, the beauty of a great serial killer is the ability to lie on command well it's yeah. like the ability of a great psychopath it's why politicians make well why psychopaths make great politicians or great leaders of industry is the ability to on the fly just continue a lie just like continue yeah, on without shit. shame at all yeah yeah because uh, he then switches it to that he's an insurance agent and he can double her widow's pension and all this. And he's clocked out of this because he's, he's looked at the pictures and stuff that are in her, what he can see of her house mm-hmm. from the doorway kind of thing and then uses this against her effectively. As soon as he mentions doubling this pension, she decides that she's going to let him in. Um as soon as he gets in, he then starts ranting on about feeling humiliated, being left out on the porch there and questioned and blah, 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 and then he chokes her out. Um, he is very bad at it. This is another common thing. Most serial killers say that on their first kill, if it's to do with stabbing or strangulation, they do not anticipate how difficult it is to yeah. carry out the deed because they believe it's like they see in the movies, which is... You I know, mean, I stab you, you fall down dead, or I strangle you. Two seconds later, you're out. Yeah, I don't. I just don't understand why he doesn't just carry the jack about with him. <laughs> is he weapon of choice? The he jack. He's really good with that, and it may, it is his name. You know, like Jack the Jack Killer. That's well, amazing. I mean, uh, Jack Squared. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Jack Squared Killer strikes again. That's it. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, you have told them your name at that point, right enough. Yeah. This is why I'm not a serial it's killer. Maybe two on the nose. You're hoping that they I? don't guess. Or are you? Well, you I said could that be. There. Did you just could say be. that there? Yeah. Right in front of me? Yeah. On an audio recorded podcast. Yeah. And it's, it's there forever. Yeah. This is why I told you I'm terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, me. It was me. Hashtag it was me. Um, so, yeah, so he strangled, but he strangles her out, but she does not die. She, she doesn't die immediately. He has a he has another couple of. It's, awkward, it's, a, it's an awkward killing as well because he kind of like stumbles over to grab her and it's very Frankenstein walking and then he grabs her and they fall down and, she, and then she's when she comes back and I've what I like there's there's a few small details I really enjoy about this movie and it's the attention to silly things that most movies gloss over, which is the idea if you've been strangled for any reason at all you're going to have bruised vocal cords your tongue's going to swell up as well so you're yeah. not going to be able to just converse as uh-huh. normal and this movie gets that but what and this is the bit that makes me worry that I may be dead inside is I was giggling through this in the cinema Dave was not giggling oh uh, thank god for that I thought you were going to say aroused uh, well there was that later there was a bit later, <laughs> was a bit later on Buzz um, 
with a nipple. Uh, but we're the the like basically like I, I started like, I genuinely found this quite funny. I find this whole death scene very 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 funny. I think it's pivoted that way. But he starts like it's it's you know putting a pillow behind her head. You know <laughs> dipping bits of a donut. <laughs> Like, yeah. that he's got in coffee or coffee he's brought as well. It's like this hot drink he's brought in his flask and he's putting it in her mouth and all the rest. Showing kindness and compassion, which I, fuck knows what she's thinking, but if I'm her, I'm thinking this cunt just tried to kill me. Yeah. This can't be played off as an accident. Yeah. He's trying to play it off as an accident. I don't think he's an insurance agent. I don't think he's. <laughs> oh my he's god. A... Oh no. Yeah. Was he lying about the pension? <laughs> Fuck! Because <laughs> then he starts to nurse her back. And you think, yeah. well, you don't think, she thinks for a second that maybe she's going to get out of this, but Jack's got something else in mind. Yeah. So eventually he does manage to strangle her. Uh, and then once she's kind of dead, or at least very unconscious, uh, he stabs her in the chest. Yep. There's, there's quite a comical little blood fountain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he then takes photos on an old camera that he's, he's brought me and then we go into this series of little kind of vignettes as it were fucking favourite thing that's ever happened this is genuinely quite funny so he's <laughs> he's trying to dispose of her and every time he's finished and he leaves he goes out to the car goes to start it and then you see him stop and you see like little flashes of what he is imagining in his head mm-hmm. and it's of bits that he's missed. Oh my God, I better go and check under the carpet. There's probably a bit of blood I missed or behind the picture or something. Where there impractic- practically could not... That's the thing, it's impractical where he's imagining that he may have... Because he's meticulous and he's cleaning... But there's certain areas you wouldn't touch. You wouldn't clean behind the picture because there's no way blood gets behind the picture. You yeah, wouldn't exactly. Clean behind underneath the rug because she was nowhere near the fucking rug. Yeah. But it's the, this is the OCD thing where he's well, I didn't clean that, so if I didn't clean it, there must be. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, I find this really interesting to be honest because I don't have OCD, mm-hmm. but I think I could. Oh yeah, I think if I if I let myself and what this really struck with me was I remember in it in my old house when you and I lived close to each other mm-hmm. every goddamn morning when I left to drive to my work I would have to stop the not every single morning but most mornings I would have to stop and get out the car and go back and check and lock the front door mm-hmm. and. I can remember on a couple of rare occasions doing it twice and I'm talking about I have driven out the drive and then just had to park up on the thing gone back to the door, checked it got in the car and somehow convinced myself that I didn't check that quite right and gone back Um, and weirdly I don't do that in my new house yeah What's different? Just, yeah, uh, that's that's how you know you don't have OCD. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a small line between compulsion and obsessive compulsion. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's very 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 thin. I, I think it's very easy to trip over into that. And like I said, the aforementioned 
member of my band, formerly, uh-huh. the former band. Um, it started off as really small things, and then spiraled into what I can only dis- what I can only describe as horrific levels of compulsion on. It'd be silly things like the car radio would have to be set to a five or a zero. So it had to be in increments of five or zero. So increments uh, of five, essentially. So five, ten, fifteen, twenty. That's what you couldn't be sitting at like a seven. You'd have to, yeah, you'd yeah. have to physically change uh, that. And then later on, it became, you know, he had he had to brush his teeth an equal number on both sides. Lights had to be switched a certain amount of times on. You know, like it became, and that grew out of once it once his body had acclimated to one silly compulsion. And I want to stress how I want to see these things. To me, it's a silly compulsion. But when they acclimated to that, they spiraled out into like they, it just grew upon it. If well, if you do that, your brain like doesn't feel like it's on fire with this. Then you do that, and like to the point where. I mean, I'm sure he functions all right in life, but uh, to me, it's a it's a horrific life, which is like constantly plagued by indecision and yeah. repetition of meaningless things to satisfy something that, to be honest, shouldn't need to be satisfied. So yeah. it's horrible, man. It's something I'm glad that, very much like yourself, I feel I am a ball here away from certain yeah, things yeah. being very OCD. But I'm glad yeah. that I have the ability to say, eh, you know, pull it back. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, that this whole circle or spiral, if you like, it goes on. There's a couple of iterations. <laughs> the fucking basically the cops are now coming. Mm-hmm. He can hear cop sirens, and he has to go back in again. Can't break it. <laughs> um, it's hilarious. Uh, no, it's not hilarious, but it's, it's very funny. It's very, very, it's darkly, darkly humorous. And once again, that's the thing that's missing in the genre classifications. I think you need to have comedy in there or something because there are moments. I think some people, it was funny, we posted it earlier on, one of the listeners posted back saying, should I be worried that one of my friends laughed all the way through this movie? Um, Oh, yeah. I laughed through this movie. Mm. I mean, I think you're supposed to. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um... He then gets questioned by this cop who wasn't even coming to visit that house. He was going to a different house. Then saw him acting oddly, questions him. Um, he then is, is quite interesting. Again, he it, it's the lying thing. And he kind of spins it around going, you should not believe it. I came to pick this up. I was speaking away to her. She went in. She's disappeared, man. You're going to need to go and try and find out what's happened to her. I'm not I'm like, oh my god. Um, he then he, gradually, as he gets more and more comfortable with his lie, he sort of tries to get start telling the cop what to do. Mm-hmm. He's uh, daring the cop as well to try and find something that he knows isn't there now. Yeah. Um, the cop basically eventually makes him leave, kind of thing. Uh, it does that line as well where he's like that you know um, this house is something like this house is incredibly clean in fact I I, I would bet you that you wouldn't be able to find any evidence of any like it goes yeah. as far as basically like like boasting about the fact that he's cleaned this house so well that you would not be able to find any evidence of any wrongdoing and yeah. the copper's like will you just get the fuck out of here please <laughs> 
Yeah. So soon as the house basically hops into the rape van and hightails it out of there, and through a series of errors, basically the body is wrapped in a tarp and tied to the back of the van. So he goes here and out. Now, you see you know, errors. He's done it deliberately because the body was in the back of the van and he knew the police officer was going to yeah. ask to see the back of the van. But he didn't put the body back in the van, which is the worst bit. That's the bit yeah. you want to do because now you're dragging it. And even if... <laughs> Even if you did, you drive it around the corner and I then mean, stop and go out and put it. But basically, he drives all the way to his little fucking death freezer, uh, dragging this body behind. And again, it's not. It shouldn't be funny, but it is. Do you think if David Bow was alive right now, he would acquiesce to the use of fame over this scene? <laughs> yeah, the Bowie, the Bowie. I'm not a big Bowie fan, but the music oh, is in the I, lo- I love Bowie. Very um, inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. Yeah. It's like the fucking body's been dragged yeah. the, um, obviously this basically leaves a huge trail of blood all the way back to the freezer where he keeps all his dead people um, but then the rain comes on washes all this away and he seems to see this as some kind of like divine intervention um, serial killers think very much the yeah. same that they're meant to get they're doing God's will they're meant to get away with it Baz uh-huh. uh, but then in the freezer room he turns the body over and like the whole face has just been ground off and for some reason I just assumed this body was getting dragged on its back and it, <laughs> the, the physical effects that they used here are horrendous looking <laughs> I don't mean that in that they're bad. It's just, it's so realistic, it's awful looking. Yep. It's just somebody with a face ground off. Yep. I'm like, oh my Christ. That actually took me back a wee bit. Yep. I, I was a bit like, oh fucking hell. Welcome to a Lars von Trier film. Yeah. <laughs> There's some more chat with Virgil. Um, we see Jack kind of try to practice being normal. Um, it's a great scene. This uh, I love it because it's got all the he's got all the different pictures. So yeah, like a very famous like if you do a bit of deep diving in this one, there's a very famous um, a psych. I think he was a psychiatrist experiment to do with electrodes where he passed current through his face to mimic different like facial expressions to do with happy, sad, angry, All right. upset. But it was it was using electricity to do this. Um for what I can only describe as some weird fucking reason that is best kept in someone's journal somewhere long since lost. Um but yeah, it was all to do with electric and he does the same kinda and it's, it's this idea of the mask that you wear, you have to you don't have the emotions, so you have to try and replicate them. Uh-huh. Uh, and once again I'll to me, strength of having I, an actor I would never have casted in this movie, but I think Matt Dillon plays this really well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I will not argue with that. Dillon is brilliant in this mm. film. Um, there is a... I've written here there's a boring metaphor <laughs> of him running in reeds as a child. Mm. Um, we then see a flashback of him again as a kind of child cutting the foot off a duckling with scissors. There's a, yeah, there's a bit of controversy uh, about this scene, so... And then, uh, 
he puts it in the water swimming. You see this wee duckling swimming in circles. It, it's fucking horrible. Horrible, yeah, yeah. It really got me that I'm, I'm quite sure it was a fake foot thing that was in his hand and that, but yeah. it, it's very realistic. <clears throat> so there was a lot of complaints when the movie was released. Uh, Peter and the the states um, uh, actually made a statement pro this movie which feels like they shouldn't have but they said yeah, that there weird. is psychological and scientific evidence that serial killers start their journey uh, towards killing people by torturing and mutilating animals and this movie yeah that, that's there's a hundred films with that and yeah, this movie accurately um, you know displays that on screen and they can confirm through speaking to the director and people involved that no animals were hurt in the project. So, Peter, we're fine with it. Which, once again, feels weird yeah. to say that. But yeah, there definitely was no animals hurt in this one. It, the cut of the way that, the way it's shot it's is horrible. fucking horrible. This is like, once again, like you get flashbacks, maybe not to the extreme, but you get flashbacks to something like Cannibal Holocaust. Uh-huh. We hear the noises and then you see the bird swimming around and I don't know how they got the duckling to do that and it's just not it's it's horrible to look at it's a yeah, stomach turning yeah. not cool at all Lars von Trier <laughs> um, we see him watching men clearing a field with a, with scythes mm. uh, that took me right back my grandfather used to cut his lawn grass with Why a scythe I feeling when I was watching this movie you would have a scythe story I don't know how I thought I was like that. Basil have a size story. Yeah. My grandfather used to cut his grass for one. Like his lawn. Mental. Fuck fucking it. mental. I bet you, I bet you did it half the time that we were taken for one of those petrol bastards to start. Probably. Probably. You weren't just in the sharpening thing. Oh, that was like, it looked like the Grim Reaper. It was horrendous. Uh, miss, miss you, Pap. Eh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's a weirdly random scene uh, of him strangling a woman who he's kind of getting off with mm-hmm. um, but I, I think this is kind of done to show that he's, he started collecting bodies in this freezer so it's not like he's just using it once or twice to dispose of bodies he, he appears to be collecting them now in yeah. this freezer um, He's unhappy with some of his photos, so he takes some of the body, one of the bodies rather back to the scene of the crime. I love this scene as well. <laughs> he runs over a woman. <laughs> because he, he had it on a whim. What if he drives past her and he's like, all right. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. Turns and plows into her. Um, <laughs> so he takes her as well. Uh, there's some pish about tigers and lambs. Couldn't give a fuck about it. Um, Sim- then, hashtag symbolism. Hashtag pish. Um, it then sets these two bodies up in certain ways and photographs them. Um, the, the, I think if I'd been doing that, there'd have been a lot more doggy style sex game. Well, depending. one of them, this is what I'm this you know is what the mean? thing that I, your bad influence is seeping its way into my view. And, I remember seeing this in the cinema, not having this thought on the repeat viewing, the fact that one of them is frozen sitting over, which basically makes her manoeuvrable into said doggy position yeah. is and this time watching it I was like, you would just you would just do things. <laughs> like um I'm not Weird proud of that. illegal things. I am not proud of that at all, Baz, but I blame you. <laughs> He names himself Mr. Sophistication, which is quite ironic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then we hear him regaling Virgil with a pish analogy about a man walking between street lights. This is not a pish analogy. This is fucking science it and, and philosophy. The fuck out of me. Um, and this is also interspersed with shots from building his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is going well, Baz, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's totally. done. Um, Virgil starts to talk to him about family, and this leads Jack into talking about Incident 3. Incident 3 is one of the ones that oh. got the most backlash um, from critics by, by Dean's members. Um, I can understand why. Hold on while I put this tartan shawl around me like an old like, lady. You've literally not. Baz is almost the dude from. is Bastian from the never ending story. I'm, uh, I'm in my fucking uh, conservatory and it's. Cold the middle of sodding autumn now and the temperatures are plummeting and I'm wearing shorts. Yeah. Uh, incident three. Jack, Jack drives out into the wilderness. He's got a woman and her two sons um, with him. It looks like he's in some kind of relationship with this woman mm-hmm. and he is kind of taking on the, a paternal role towards her two sons so they're not his kids as far as I can tell. Um, and he's taking them out uh, into the woods here to teach them about hunting and guns and stuff like that. And this place they're at, there are kind of targets as well. It looks like somewhere that's set up to train people. And there's a yeah. kind of, yeah, there's a kind of lookout tower type thing. Um, he talks about the tradition of the trophy parade. Mm-hmm. Which I have actually seen. Um, my friend Richie, that was the a gamekeeper up in Perthshire. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the times getting up to stay with him, and I would tend to go up later on a Saturday because he would normally have uh, his what they're called syndicate. The guys that shot on his estate yep. would have been there shooting during the day, and part of his job was to kind of entertain them. Mm-hmm. After it, they would have a meal and drinks after it, and a kind of marquee. And part of his job as the gamekeeper was to entertain them and, you know, kind of schmooze them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember, uh, I was very friendly with his boss mm-hmm. and he took me out, he knew my dad was a chef and he took me out to get me some of the pheasants yep. to take home to my dad and they were all laid out on the ground in this kind of circular pattern. Yeah. Uh, so we find out with this tradition of the trophy parade um, and that comes back into it in a little while. We're in here this kind of inner monologue thing um, and he's talking about like hunting and shooting the young deer mm. uh, before you kill the mother deer in case if you did it the other way around and the mother died and the young deer lived it would die from neglect from not having its mother kind of thing so it's this kind of concept of ethical hunting um, when this kind of dialogue fades away and it cuts back to the actual story if you like the woman is now huddled like behind a kind of little hillock type thing mm-hmm. where kids um and Jack is basically up in the tower taking pot shots at them. 
with his, his hunting rifle. Um, one of the kids makes a kind of run for it and he shoots him in the knee. And it's it's oddly graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite clear it's a dummy. At one point, it's it's the weirdest kind of scene. Yeah, not scene like that little particular bit. I mean, obviously they couldn't shoot a kid in the knee. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, really quite odd. It that aside, kid goes down and he then shoots him again, like to like to finish him off type right thing. Right in front of his mother as well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the mother's screaming. She runs to the boy. Uh, and he then shoots the other kid who stayed where he was type thing um, the next the next thing we see is trying to make the mother eat a picnic and he's trying to make the mother feed the two dead boys mm-hmm. who he's now got propped up with like sticks and stuff in kind of unnatural positions but as if they're kind of sitting there all having this lovely picnic and um, the way he talks the kind of nonchalance of everything that he's talking about at this point mm-hmm. is really unnerving yeah. I've got to say considering the kind of uh, visage that is laid out before him kind of thing mm-hmm. um, it's completely disconnected from reality yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, after the, the, this finished kind of thing, he then hunts the mum, basically, kills her mate. And then at the end of it all, we see their three bodies laid out. Among, I think they were crows or something like that, but like about 100 odd crows, and it's this trophy parade idea that we talked about. Um He then, there's a fucking meaningless fucking bit where he knocks down his house and starts again. Like, not meaningless. I, I don't, not meaningless. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> not meaningless. Wants, Nothing in this he, movie's meaningless. He wants to use a, a different material. Yeah. And in fairness, this whole thing about the house, it's not the design of the house or anything like that. It's the material that he is using for the house mm. is where his obsession lies, if you like. Um, there is then a really disturbing scene um, where basically one of the boys from that previous scene there he uh, he kind of performs in effect like human taxidermy on him and he's talking about how you know the skillful taxidermist using only wire and this that and the next thing can make the animal look any way it likes kind of thing Mm -hmm. And the wee boy, he, he called them grumpy, like it was a nickname he had for them, and he said he, he's grumpy no more or something like that. He basically makes him smile for him, and he's kind of cut his mouth away and then said, yeah, you can't see Duncan, obviously, but Duncan is impersonating this on the fucking video chat. He's smiling. Yeah, he uses wire and everything to keep the mouth fixed like that, and he's got kind of propped up and the legs bent the wrong way at the knee and everything. It's, it's fucking horrific. Looking. Yeah, absolutely horrific. That whole scene is jarring. It's. Are you saying that because you've got two boys? 
I'm saying it because I have kids. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think the fact that I have two boys and it's two boys in the scene yeah. lends anything to it. I just think it's kids. I j- it's yeah. horrific. I, like, I, to, to I, me, I can imagine I'm myself huddled there trying to just hold them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, the, the bit where the mother awful. is sitting at the picnic area with her two dead kids beside her and she's clearly... Her brain's broken. Her brain yeah, is completely... Catatonic, yeah. And she's, she's going through the motions and I think part of her weirdly thinks she's going to survive this because he hasn't killed her and then the game of, you know, what's your favourite number? Yeah. And then that's the number he's going to give you as a head start before he hunts you down. Yeah. Is, yeah. And the, the amount of time it takes her to twig... Why he's counting? The whole, the whole thing, the whole setup is is horrible, yeah. and to me, is some people want to say one thing, some people say the other. The reason this particular scene is as gruesome as it is, is in part for the fact that the previous scene has a degree of dark humour to it. It diffuses yeah. it, even the reveal of the fucking wrecked face and. The, the bodies which he you know he knocks over a woman and all the rest there's a weird horrible bit we don't want to admit it but a bit of comedy in that dark comedy yeah. so when this comes in cold the best scares or the best horrific events come either before or after something that allows levity yeah um, and this whole setup the it's not only just the kids it's the idea of family uh-huh. Which he's destroying is the, yeah, it's the yeah. specific idea of family that he's destroying. Interestingly enough, we are going to be doing a movie next week that talks about a prominent serial killer um, and specifically his relationship or the fact that he was trying to portray the idea of family uh-huh. in some way or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, which will be interesting to go to. But I mean, it's known like a lot of serial killers have families. You know, it's part yeah. of you're being seen as part of the community. It's a, it's a guy's, it's a mask, essentially, a beard, so to speak. Um, uh, but yeah, in the case of this, the whole scene, I'm weird. Like, I saw it in the set, I felt physically ill watching this. Yeah, it's horrible. No nice. One interesting thing I noticed at this point, however, was, so we've had sort of three incidents. Yep. And the, the kind of, the ferocity and the malevolence of his attacks gets progressively worse yep. as the victims get progressively nicer. Like the woman in the first scene yep. is the worst person in the world. Yep. And yeah, it's a very violent death, but it's kind of quick. It's very quick, yeah. The woman in the second scene is... She's quite innocent until she gets this, like, greed comes into it. She's awkward, she's awkward and she embarrasses him, specifically the same, but I don't think it plays out that. I think the fact that you see him go on this giant monologue of how he's embarrassed her outside, you know, indicates the method of killing as well. You know, it's very personal with the hands, you know what I mean? But to me, it was more this idea that she was this innocent. Yep. And then... She was corrupted by the money. Totally corrupted. So by she it. dies. Yep. And hers was. It, it, it was more personal. It, it was the choking at the death oh, type yeah, yeah. thing. So, and the, but then we get to the third one, whereas as far as we can tell, this woman is 
quite innocent and wants nothing more than to meet someday mm-hmm. who will be a good father to her kids. Mm-hmm. And she is, or they're all killed basically in the yeah. most horrifying manner mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was quite an interesting dichotomy there, Duncan. Oh, I see what you're doing, Baz. Baz is... Hashtag has- dichotomy! <laughs> it's not as, not as quirky as hashtag symbolism, but Baz is bringing it. Bringing the heat. We're getting there, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get the traditional fucking dialogue with Virgil now. Um, I don't like and- this Virgil dialogue. I don't, I don't. I should, I should have read the warning signs. Um... And this one, however, he reveals that he had a romance. Mm-hmm. This leads us now to the fourth incident. Yep. Um, we see Jack parking up his rape van outside this fucking skeezy-looking apartment. No one has been raped in this van yet. Can we just call it a van? No, I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> no. Really? You think I'm going to stop now? You fucking fool. <laughs> you buffoon, sir. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he gets out the the van though. He, he's walking with a crutch. Mm. Um, and oh, Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, he goes on about how this is a very good thing to do to make sort of put people at ease. You can't possibly be threatening if you have an apparent physical ailment or yeah, disability or something in- like instantly, that. Instantly, like, and this is true. Like, if you see someone struggling. With anything, like, you know, they've got a cast or, you know, they're wearing, like, crutches or whatever. Your instinct, your pre-programmed Baz fucking instinct is to help them. Or feel sympathy. It's one of the two. Yeah. He's also, he's parked up in a, a, like, a a no-parking-zone type thing. And a cop who's nearby puts a ticket on the rape van. Um, This comes back in shortly. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we then meet his girlfriend, who is fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> she is very paranoid, coked out or not, I'd imagine, um, and extremely high maintenance. Uh, <laughs> and then I've written here, would totally bang. She's a, she is a relatively famous actress. Riley Keough or something yeah, like Riley that. Ke- oh, oh, dear God. Whoa, what was that? My uh, watch has just said, here's what I found, relatively famous, hashtag one, a book by Heather C. Lee. <laughs> Let's say... Uh, it couldn't have brought up Riley Keough because that would have been useful. That would have been useful. However, in the time that it took for us to have that conversation... I brought her up on IMDb. So yeah, she has, <laughs> she is one of the the wives or um, essential like mates of um, the dude in Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know if you ever saw that. I've never seen Fury Road. Oh, no. did you need to fucking rectify that? She's an American Honey, which won all the awards. Uh, it comes at night, which won awards. Um, the House of Jack Bill the same year she did that she did Under the Silver Lake which was directed by the dude that did It Follows um, she's in The Lodge which is one of my movies on the 31 of October so she has been about doing interesting projects she plays a vastly different role in this one in that our character is called Simple yeah um, they do a little drink 
Uh, he starts acting like an absolute ass. Total dickhead. Yeah. Um, and as you say, he calls her Simple. Now, this is actually her surname. Yes. Uh, her name is Jacqueline Simple. But he calls her Simple. And Simple makes Jack? No, uh, mm. <laughs> makes no odds about the fact that he's basically calling her dumb. Um, now, what... One of the few actual kind of notes that I've included in, in my notes this time, I find at this point it's kind of hard to balance this total bad boy bastard image going on at this point with the OCD geek yep. that we've seen. You know, the, fir- the first one was very awkward around the first kill, then with the second one, or not kill the incident. The second incident, you saw the OCD and he couldn't leave and all this, you know, and now he's, he's suddenly just this lady killer. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It, and, and through the narration, he says at some point that through doing things, like through the repetition of killing people, he has somehow managed to shake off the OCD requirement of, you know, of being able to leave a room clean and all the rest, which is not how OCD works, but uh, for the for the purposes of this movie, that's where we're going. But also, the character is vastly different. Yeah, like va- like completely different. Now, killers go through a journey for sure. They start off you know, like the further they go on, the more there's an idealized version of how they actually their personality, the real them that they have to hide behind the mask of normalcy becomes more prevalent and more out front. He's just a dickhead here. Yeah, like the whole yeah. like he's just not I I understand that like, that simple is you know, she's not in a well to do place. She is fallen for the wrong sort of guy and all the rest. But there is a certain level where this is almost the inverse of the opening scenario of the woman who's completely fucking belittle and abusive to Jack and now we've almost turned that inside out where he is that character to her. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. everything everything he says is demeaning or it's belittling and it starts off really tender though because when he comes in the door and she's not speaking to him, he does the thing the thing With where the he telephone. Yeah. And that, there's something so fucking warply nice about that. It's this little thing they've got, this little connection, and she really, it's how she lets down her guard. And he knows somehow that that's going to let her let down her guard. And then from the moment she does, she's fucked. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, totally. Um, He talks to her like she's shit for a bit longer, and then starts to draw around her tits. Now, uh, Excuse me. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. So, um... I was quite on board with this bit. Of course you were, because you saw I mean, tits. Yeah, and I just... It's like, where's he going with this? <laughs> and I thought, do you know what didn't matter? He's made it weird. I'm cool with that. I like a bit of weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then you realise that they are basically he's drawing cut lines on her. Um, yep, if you've seen plastic, plastic surgery or anything like that, that's literally how you carve out what Yeah, totally. She thinks it's a sex thing at first, though. Um, she finally gets a bit freaked out and runs out onto the street and goes to the cop that we saw earlier on. Yep. And she's like that. Uh, 
Yeah, my friend up there, he's uh, I think he's a serial killer and all this. Uh, but he's like, the cop rather is like, have you been drinking? Well, yeah, a bit. And, but then Jack comes down, <laughs> this bit's great. He's like, that, everything that woman has told you mm-hmm. is absolutely true. I'm a killer and all this kind of stuff. So now it just looks like two mental drunk folk. So this is this is actually directly on what Jeff Dahmer did. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer did this with a 14-year-old Filipino boy who he drugged um, and who escaped and found police officers. And Jeff Dahmer went down and spoke to the police officers and said that they'd been drinking lots and he didn't know what he was doing and if they would just release him back into his custody he would make sure he got home safe took the boy back and murdered him right yep that rings a big bell it didn't it's a direct play on that so Von Trier has done his research here so not only is he in this specific setup he's referenced Bundy with the the cast but he's also referencing Dahmer with the the action here which I kind of the geek in me is like that yeah, <laughs> he's done his research, but yeah, yeah that's quite good. To, uh, but yeah, I love I, it. I he's that, like, ah, me, I'm the guy. I've killed everything she said. Totally true. And the cops like, yeah. just go and go wherever you are. And remember, just drink safe and responsibly. Yeah, uh, the cop can't be fucked by either. And basically, just tells them to go back inside. Yeah. Um, once cops get out the picture, Jack's all upset and apologetic, and that they go back inside. She tries to call a friend, like, to get drugs or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then she realises that her phone line's been cut. She, there's this whole bit of it. She tries to go, the door's locked, the keys are gone. He had taken them earlier. And then she realises that he's Mr. Sophistication. It's the worst name for a serial killer. It's but terrible. It's well, fucking terrible. Once again, we spoke about this in the Zodiac episode. BTK didn't want to be called BTK. He wanted to be called the Garot Phantom. Yeah, the fucking the screen door intruder was another one. You know I mean like, these are fucking <laughs> shite names? So Mister Sophistication maybe isn't the worst one. It's how they see themselves. Yeah, and yeah. the way they see themselves is not the way they're ever going to be reported. Yeah, yeah, it torments her at this point about nobody came. Yeah. Um he does the thing that I uh, really genuinely upsets me in movies I don't know what it is there's something horrible about someone belittling you screaming for help yeah I yeah. find that like I find that almost like I, I don't know what it is there's a, a fucking lizard brain reaction to me about the idea of you screaming for help and someone oh scream for help oh no help like, there's something yeah. about that that just it's like at that point that's the, the exact point you should know that all hope is gone. Yeah, you're fucked. Uh, yeah, it's horrible. It doesn't I, I, was, I was 100% sure you were going to say cutting tits off there. No, although I will say this, in the history of movies I've seen where, where, where tits have been cut off, this has the best cut off tits scene uh, I've ever seen. Because it, it looks horrific. fucking real. It does. It does. I'm not convinced she didn't get a tit cut off. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... Uh, 
kind of a law course all over again. All over again, mate. It so is, man. It so is. I am... I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm not convinced that woman wasn't impaled on that speak, but that didn't happen. I'm just saying. I didn't see it. Yeah, it's it, it, the the practical effects in this are what I can only describe as up there amongst the best practical yeah. effects I've ever fucking seen in a movie. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would fully agree with that. Um, oh, it like makes her choose the knife and all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah as you say it's absolutely fucking gnarly practical effect uh, and then there's this great bit basically as he leaves the building he sticks with his severed tits he like slaps it onto the golf car's window like a ticket oh. like he's had on his car yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. the big it's, it's the big fuck you Buzz Oh, there's Mary in her dialogue Pish with the Virgil one it's not, it's not Pish Mayor David Bowie Pish there is a wildly boring diatribe about dessert wines. It's not and, at all. And that this, no. I hate, I hate dessert wine. So it, it was never going to work. But it's alcohol. I hate dessert wine. Really? Oh, it's rancid stuff. You know what? What? Yeah. Why am I just finding out about this now? I love a wee dessert wine. Man, it's not as if you're. Pulling bottles out all the time. I'll it? be honest with you, we very rarely had a dinner together, but I'll tell you right now, the next time we do, if you fucking turn your nose up at my selection of dessert wine, I will throw down. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. I mean, you're not like, you're not like, a, like a, a, what do they call it, aperitif? No, it's not that. It's a, what's, what's the thing? It's a digestif at the end, where you have like a small something just to settle your. No? No. A wee Jägermeister, because that's what that is. Jägermeister's digestive has just been ruined by fucking rock stars. A limoncello? My wife likes that. I've never had one. I love limoncello. Do you not like limoncello? Jägermeister is a dessert wine. Jägermeister is a dessert drink that you have in Germany after your meal, post your meal. It's not supposed to be done as like everyone else does it, which is like straight from the. If you're Pantera, you're guzzling it down like it's fucking water. Um, yeah. But yeah, you use it to, to settle your stomach. It's why it tastes like fucking herbs and shit. Uh, it's not for the bars. Anyway, I've had dessert wine in the past and it's haunting. Um, <laughs> now you find out how they make it. Yes, yeah. His uh, house keeps getting demolished because he's not happy with the materials. He's not happy, Baz. He's not happy with the house that he is trying to construct. Virgil is revealed to be a writer and I believe through my later researches after the end of it it's Virgil someday that he is he's playing a, a historical character he's playing from the what Dante's Inferno I've never uh, yeah, I'm, yeah I'll come on to all of that all right, right, I'm, I'm, really but I'm not I'm not particularly familiar with Dante's right, right, Inferno has to be said Um because I've written here I've never heard of him there's quite now the Nazis are going to creep in here this is like it's, it's confounded by the fact that you don't know who Bruno Ganz is at the moment which is yeah yeah totally but yeah, now, yeah I did I've got to say this uh, first bit I found very interesting in the Albert Speer uh, when he was designing 
Germania and this great uh, German state that would rise from the Third Reich. He had specifically designed weaknesses in the buildings mm-hmm. so that in a hundred or you know in a thousand years' time or whatever, they would look like great ruins. And I found that to be very interesting. Almost like Greece. Yes. And Rome. One day we are going to have our weird offshoot, like, Baz V the Nazis podcast, where we do, like, a fucking ridiculous deep dive into useless Nazi trivia. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, Baz V foreign countries, and it's like you taking no. me, it's no. like you taking me to Greece. And I'm just pointing at the I'm going to lift up paddles. That's shite. I'm going to lift up. Absolute piss. I can see me lifting up paddles with like fucking flags in the name of countries and you just like ridiculing them for 45 minutes. (laughs) I mean, they use the peso. That's not even a real fucking word. Um, You know what I mean? It's all this shit. Like, we we can't have that. But like, no, part of me feels that he couldn't help himself here. Yeah. Because he he then jumped. He then jumps from that on to another bit about the Stuka dive bomber from the war and the Jericho trumpet. Now, I, I knew what a Jericho trumpet was uh, on the Stuka. And I, I did think at this point, like... Why? It's a, it's a bit odd. It's Why are two things about the Nazis just jammed together? Pick one. You don't need both of them. Do you know what I mean? What he um, said, in, in fairness, what he said at can I don't think is controversial. And I also think it's clearly meant as a joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but he did, he was, it was a joke specifically about Hitler, right? Um, yeah, yeah. In reference, granted, the movie he was there discussing was Nymphomaniac, which is not Nazi adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But he made this comment and everyone fucking seized on it and then he was ostracised for a couple of years and then he comes back. But part of me feels that Instead of maybe necessarily going, I'm going to do something that maybe... I'm going to make my serial killer movie, which is going to be controversial anyway, but I'm not going to court the same controversy that I... or controversy that I had at the previous can showing. Part of me feels that the playful Lars von Trier just decides he's going to lean in there. Yeah, yeah. Heavily. Uh, But there's no way to describe this whole segment here because as much as I love the bits that come in between... This whole segment is not required in the story at all. No, not at all. Absolutely not at all. Uh, the other stuff where he's talking about raw and I mean, all that comes in later on. It's all linked, like we're yeah, talking yeah. about, like the, the, you know, the hunters' game and all. All that stuff comes in specifically as related to the kill. This segment, this segment here, which goes on for about five minutes, uh. does not link up to anything else except. He is having a little comment right at you, Mr. Can's reviewer, that like, I'm fully aware of what the Nazis did and I'm fully I've done my research and I know my history yeah. and all the rest. I'm just gonna shove it right in my middle of my movie. And you probably haven't noticed this great actor here who's doing this voiceover and what he's famous for known for. Because yeah. that's my little that's my that's my joke that I'm putting at the side. That's my kill switch. But yeah. you're gonna focus on this. And it's it is self-indulgent, but if there's ever a genre of movies to be self-indulgent, the art house genre is that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Can guy, yeah, Nazis are cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack, go, Jack goes to buy some ammo. 
from the weird wee nervous guy from Lost. Yeah, I think just plays weird wee nervous guys and everything. And everything been yeah, I guess because he's just a weird wee nervous guy. Uh, but what is quite cool is he's keeping his money in a wee, a wee purse made for Simple's other tit. That's the other. That's where the other tit went, and that's why he marked out too. Yeah, yeah, and it's disgusting looking. Has to be said now. This is it. Jerry Brut. Jerry Brudos, Brudios, Brudos, uh, serial killer, one of the early ones from the 60s, uh, the shoe fetish killer who did actually, with his second or third victim, chop her tits off and make paperweights out of them that he had right. around his house that his wife didn't realise were made from tits. <laughs> well, 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 so she said. Yeah. But... They're packed with sawdust as well, but yeah, they play on Fucking that. hell. Um, this ammunition scene leads into the, the fifth incident. So, we're it's now in... His grand design, so to speak. Yeah, his magnum opus. <laughs> um, he's set up, so it's, he's now in his little freezer room thing, and he's set up this contraption. He's got like four live people. Mm-hmm chained to this metal frame with their heads kind of next to each other. Yeah, alternating. So one on one side, one on the other, yeah. one on one side. So their heads are all leaning over the top of each other. Yeah. Um, and then he, he introduces a fifth, uh, this black fella, that you see him like, getting out the van and all that. Um, he also has his hunting rifle set up in a clamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he then... Through, I think it's through the monologue you hear him he's, he's mimicking a Nazi experiment uh, from Yikes. the war which is a link to the previous thing but tenuous as fuck Lars yeah. one to you um, he is it was to do with an experiment they were trying to like kill more people with less ammunition um, basically the whole point of this is he wants to fire one single bullet through all five heads Yep, killing them all. Um, and he is going to do this with a full metal jacket bullet. Yep. But the black guy that he's just brought in turns it to be ex-military and he's like, ah, mate, that's not full metal jacket. That's a hollow point hunting round. Um, he then checks the, the box and the, his box has been mislabeled. So mm-hmm. it says that it's full metal jacket, but they're not. Um, he is fucking raging. Um, he goes back to the shop, rips into the wee guy for lost. Um, and, and this bit's fucking great because the wee guy's like, ah, can I see your receipt? And he goes, fucking mental. And he's then, right, okay, but can I see your ID now? He's just going to absolutely fucking ice love. Just give me one bullet. I just want one. Like, why do you just want one? Yeah, I mean, if anything, there's there's warning flares firing off all over right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I will say, the wee guy for Lost plays this bit absolutely brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack eventually kind of storms out and the wee guy's straight on the phone to the cops. Uh, so uh, this is the, this is the, now the bit where the total OCD thing about I can't leave a room you know, that's not perfect. It just goes to shit. Mm-hmm. He goes racing off to this mobile home in the middle of nowhere. So he's left his experiment, if you like, half complete. Yep. Um, it's not perfect, though, Baz. Yeah. 
He's gone to this shop, and that's been a catastrophe. Um, he now turns up at this uh, mobile home. There's an old guy in a fucking red dressing gown called SP. Mm-hmm. This is the worst name ever. <laughs> um, they know each other. They appear to be friends, but the old guy pulls out a gun and he says, the cops have been round looking for you. Um, the old fella calls the cops to come and get him. And Jack's like that, oh, I'm glad it was you that caught me and all this kind of pish. But it's, um, like, it's the, the wrong thing. Like, the, the, the police are coming from related to the wrong thing. It's not because yes. they think he's Mr. Sophistication or anything That's like right. that. It's like it's so fucking weird like, like that. Does he look like a bank robber? Is that what it was? Was it a robbery? Is ah, that it's a bank saying? robbery that they essentially are trying to pin on him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, does 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 Jack look like the sort of guy that would bank rob? Yeah, it's all. Um, but he, he sort of starts to lean on the friendship aspect with the old guy, talks him into lowering the gun, and then when the old guy goes to give him a drink, he shoves a knife up through his chin. Amazing practical effect. Brilliant, because the guy's kind of stunned and... As he turns, his mouth kind of opens, and you see the blade inside wrong. his it's mouth. Fucking but, I don't know how they yeah. did it. Like I thought, well, I'm going to play the bass here. I am not like they, I am not sure that man, they did not they? fucking impale a man with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's absolutely fucking gnarly. Um, and then steals the old guy's ammo. Uh, cop turns up. Rob, cop Rob. turns up. Yep. Yeah, cop bust into the trailer but Jack swapped clothes with the old fella the cop thinks this is the old fella standing over the body of Jack uh, he falls for it and Jack shoots him he then goes racing off in the cop car with the siren still going mm-hmm. gets to his freezer thing just jumps out leaves the car there with the siren still going I'm sorry somebody with OCD would not be doing that <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean um, he gets the wee guy to confirm that the bullet's a full metal jacket one um, he then loads up goes to take him and he can't because he's too close and he now realises the only thing he can do is get the gun further away and to do that he's going to have to open that door that he's never been able to open before mm-hmm. um, go on Maz Lo and behold, he's able to open it uh, using a kind of lever thing. Mm-hmm. He, st- he starts resetting the gun and we then hear a voice in the room with him. And I've written here, it's the cunt who played Hitler in that Downfall movie. It is the cunt that played Hitler in that Downfall movie. You are Lars Trier. You've been ostracised, alienated from your peers and your your um not only your peers but those that look up to you you have been in the wilderness because of a Nazi joke that fell flat so you're coming back to Cannes with your brand new movie about the controversial subject of serial killers which not only features a monologue about Nazi Germany the construction of their buildings and their bombers uh, and a Nazi experiment but the reveal of your Central narrator throughout this movie is the man who most iconically played Hitler on screen yeah. that everyone fucking knows 
And this is the moment where I, I kind of feel like I want to buy a large one tree and a pint. It's like, like in the terms of like, if there's internet troll, right? Then there's 4chan troll. Then there's Lars von Trier. He kind of sits on top of that, and part of me feels that he's... Part of me feels the genius of this guy is... It can't be understated. Also, I happen to love Bruno Ganz. I think he's a fucking incredible actor, and I really like him in this movie. Doesn't negate the fact that he is the most memeable Hitler of all time. So... Yes, yeah, so that turns out that's who Bruno Gans is. Yep, I've seen him be angry about the Xbox, angry about Rangers being relegated, <laughs> uh, angry about uh, <laughs> the Conservative Party electing Theresa May, angry about Donald Trump being elected. Turns out he's been angry about a lot of things, Baz. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, obviously I wasn't aware of this kind of controversy around Trier with mm. the the Nazi thing mm-hmm. I would have probably picked up on a lot more of this um, so what, once we see him we then start to see shots from like, the previous incidents um, and he's there in the background of them all <laughs> very late Mungo uh, well I've written here not exactly late Mungo right enough well no because <laughs> he wasn't in any of those shots if you go back yeah. and watch it he's not fucking there no, so, no <laughs> absolutely not hashtag not late Mungo <laughs> um, he, he asks about that fucking house thing turns out he's abandoned the project um, she couldn't find the right material Baz cops are outside trying to break in now and after some cajoling from Virgil Jack finally creates his house from all of the bodies like the A-team uh, well I've, I've do you know my god it works on 100 levels <laughs> I've written here it's very Hannibal in tone <laughs> Hannibal, now, Hannibal was in the A-team? Exactly, exactly. I love it when a plan comes together, Baz. Like this. Um, no, it reminded me a lot of the, the Hannibal, the TV series. Yeah, there's, that, there's a specific scene in that where there's a totem pole made out of dead bodies. Isn't yeah, it? that's right. It's Lance, that's right. Henri- Lance Henriksen, I think, is the killer in that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So he's, he's made this shoddy looking house out of dead bodies. Um, the cops are now cutting through the doorway on a settling torch, and the Virgil guy kind of invites him into the house, and then they descend through this hole from the ground. There's a, a specific stop point here, which we'll come back to at the end. But yeah, this is what happens. We move uh, to the epilogue now, so we've had five incidents. This is the epilogue, which is the Baz can't give a fuck about. <laughs> I yeah. get a feeling, and this is always going to be the gamble. I, I had a, I had a feeling that part of you would be curious, knowing my knowledge of you, specifically as related to your interest in things. Esoterics, maybe the wrong word, but esoterics, maybe the no, right word. Actually, that's probably the right word. Yeah. So. Uh, your your interest in things esoteric. I thought that this would either work really well for you, or this yeah. would neuter the movie for you. So, I've got a feeling we're leaning towards the neuter right now. So, <laughs> go for it. The epilogue is subtitled Catabasis or Catabasis, mm-hmm. uh, which I looked up, um, and it means a descent, apparently, mm. which is uh, fitting because uh, basically what we now witness is Jack's descent. 
<laughs> You're laughing. I've written here, uh, it's his descent into hell. Mm-hmm. But I've written here his descent into full on art house hell. <laughs> it is ah! very, it's very art house hell. This is yeah, like 100% probably. full on Dante's Inferno. So. Starts with sort of floating down into a lake. Then he's fallen down inside a wee bubble and he's wandering through some caverns, climbing wee ladders, sailing mm-hmm. in a wee boat with naked people clinging to it, although there are some tits there. Infamous boat. This is uh, from the... The, the River Six. Uh, the Baroque of Dante's Inferno. It's a right. famous painting from... It's like 18... <sighs> Or is that what's recreated with him and Virgil? Yes, the essentially they night. recreate the actual picture, the picture, very yeah. famous painting. It, it feels very much like that. It reminded me of that painting, bizarrely, which is Washington crossing the Delaware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's very kind of similar to mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm quite sure this fucking red robe thing ties in. To all of that, well, yeah, the, the dude, and the thing is, if you actually see the original painting, the dude is wearing a red hood but not a red robe, so nah, I don't know right. why I decided for the full red robe, but yeah. we'll roll with it. Um, let's talk about the Elysian Fields as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then ends up in that cave where uh, Indiana Jones met that old knight. <laughs> for fuck's sake, you. Have chosen poorly. <laughs> uh, and it turns out this is the lowest circle of hell. Mm-hmm. And I've written here, it's all very Dante's Inferno. It is indeed, Baz. Hence, your 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 narrator, your journeyman, your guide, Virgil. Yeah. Or Verge. Is well, see, I didn't know that that's where it was from. Yeah. But. I think Vir- Virgil is the one that narrates Dante's Inferno. Right. Right. Um, at this point he's then told that if he can get across to the other side of this broken bridge he can leave hell essentially he'll be able to walk back up um, it's not easy though and, no it's not it's not and he's like, <laughs> it's a lake of fire yeah and he's like maybe I can climb around the walls and then I've just written here fucks it and falls off yeah uh, and then it <laughs> It ends with the wildly inappropriate Hit the Road Jack by one Buster Poindexter. Fucking love that song. God damn it. No more, no more, no more, no more. (laughs) And I've written here, what the fuck is that ending all about? (laughs) Um, So that right there is the house that Jack built. This... Uh I don't know... I don't. I didn't hate this film because you can't hate this film. It's. I don't think it's possible to hate this film. No, because the actual serial killer stuff in this is brutal, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to use the term lifelike, but you can. It really puts you, particularly the one with the family. Yeah, you can almost feel that desperation. Um, it really puts you in that kind of place. More so, I think, than any of the other ones that we've covered have done. Yes. Um, I think Dylan I, is brilliant in it. As an He's, aficionado of not only death in movies and <laughs> the macabre movies, but specifically serial killers, this is up there 
in my opinion, amongst the best depictions of what I imagine serial killing or death by the hands of a serial killer is like. Yeah. That's why I picked it. So. Then, yeah, and I totally get that. Uh, um, and it's, uh, it probably fits in better than quite a few of the other ones. Um, but? Very early on, I kind of thought, is he talking to the devil here? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I wasn't completely surprised when it ended up with him going to hell. But I was absolutely baffled by the fact that it ended up with him going to hell. So, yeah, so just before he enters the the house, the, the, uh-huh. so, the house that he's built, the police are cutting in in the background and then there is a flash of light. And the way I always took that, and I've yet to read anything that's kind of confirmed my suspicion, but the way I've read that is that flash of light is him being shot. Oh right! But yeah. his journey from there's 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 so pick up on the light flash. So it. much fucking symbolism in this movie. The idea of him actually, the idea that the freezer almost being the construct of his mind and the way he compartmentalizes all the death that he's wrought, and then this one bit that he can't access, and then the door that he finally accesses, you know, is the you know the idea of verge <coughs> and you know the the bits that come after it and all the rest. To me, like, having seen the movie now, this will be the fourth time I've watched it to do this. There's a whole lot more I've mined out every time I've watched it, but it's all theory and conjecture. And once again, when Lars von Trier's your, essentially your, <laughs> he's your guide, he's not a great guide. I think uh-huh. Lars von Trier is incredible at putting ideas on a screen. Yeah. But I think when you, like a scratch card, when you start scratching to try and find the full substance, there's a lot of, and in the best possible way, as art house cinema should be, there's a lot of, well, what, I need to know the shit underneath. Well, there's a lot of, like, you, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of, well, what does this mean? And the director's almost saying to you, well, what does it mean to you? Yeah. And I think, in a lot of respects, I, I think there's a cleverness to that, but there's also a kind of get-out-of-jail bullshit cop-out thing. Yeah, where you cop-out can, is the word that was exactly in my yeah, head. You then, can yeah. do anything that you want, and then, well, what does it mean to you? Well, that's what it means then, because that's what it means to you. And I think... I think there is a relevance to that, but also I think if you're making a movie, you have an idea as the director or the painter, or anything, you have an idea of what you're trying to portray. And I think it's also in your ability, your scope and purview to an extent, to be able to articulate what that is. And if ultimately what you're creating is a vacuous scene where it can be filled with ideas pertaining to however life experiences of all the different viewers fill that void, then that is fine. But there is so much specific detail in here as pertains to art. Um history, theology, you know, like... Literature. All that, yeah, literature. Yeah. All that is so... Not even deftly, but it's so blatantly crafted into the, the, the construct of the movie that, to me, Lars von Trier knows exactly what he's created here. Interestingly enough, in interviews, he called this movie a condemnation of America. Specifically, Trump's America. And that's the one thing I don't get from the movie. I get everything else, uh-huh. but I don't get that. 
But that was his. That was his response. This was his, like holding the mirror back to the face of Trump's America, a country that could spawn all these serial killers that couldn't exist as they do in America anywhere else in the world, a country that glorifies the the, the preoccupation of interest in serial killers that no other country, which is a a, a lie, large frontier, but no other country could have the you know. Um, all this amazing art that can be created by Europeans but not by Americans that could depict, you know, the struggle and the, the ascension and all the rest but couldn't be portrayed by Americans because they don't have the... Uh, all, it was his sweeping condemnation of America in 2016, essentially 2017. And I don't get that. What I get is all yeah. the other shit. <laughs> like, I get all the other stuff, which is on face value what you're saying in that movie, and he just doesn't really want to address that. And, like I say, if he hadn't used so many... And I just want to stress, I do I do genuinely love this movie. But if he hadn't used so many clear references and recreations of things from real-life situations uh-huh. to do with serial killers, I could maybe go with, oh, well, it's an allegory about, you know the rise of fascist America or you know I, I, I could see that but that if it is in there it's so fucking it's so poorly stated or maybe so well hidden that I can't pick that out um, and from that point that the light flashes and you know disappears and all the rest is essentially Jack's descent into Dante's interpretation of what hell looks like yeah doesn't really justify the ending. The idea of being able to traverse around the side and his ultimate foot, his ultimate fall is that the struggle that you can never redeem yourself once you've done horrible acts. Potentially, if it is, it's not maybe not well stated. Um, yeah, it's almost like even if you think you can, you can't. Yeah, and yeah. And if that is that the case, I think that's time, quite yeah. an interesting thing that even you know. Like the the idea of of certain religions of being able to of, of recant sins on your deathbed absolves you from all the fucking myriad of horrible yeah, shit you've yeah. done. The idea that even that at the end doesn't allow you to absolve the horrible things you do, I think is an interesting thing. But I think it feels fairly shoehorned in at the end because it's not really dealt with in the rest of the movie. But Verge is there almost as a, a weird... Verge is almost there in the movie as the counterpoint to what Jack is saying. It's to call him out in his bullshit that Jack will remain resolute on. So it's the, the other side of the coin where he's like, well, I did it because of family. He's like a Nazi Jiminy Cricket. He is a Nazi Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> I, I can't, honestly, you can't watch the movie and not think, Destrun Function! <laughs> you, know, you can't not, like... They're like, <laughs> what do you mean the Xbox has been released a month early? You know, you can't, you can't not see that. But at the same time, I don't know. I picked the movie, and when I picked the movie, I'll be honest. When I picked it at first, I was like, swap out the town that dreaded sundown and put in the house that Jack built. My first inclination was, Baz, I'll appreciate the serial killing, but I'm not like the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I rewatched it, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, "That Baz is really going to like this movie. He's going to have some faults with it, but Baz is really going to like this movie. Delivers the serial killer stuff, has a lot of esoteric stuff, deals with a lot of history, which I know you're into. Mm-hmm. But from the conversation we are having now, I feel that almost you feel like there's a movie, 
and then you strip all that out and then there's all this other stuff that happens as a, a thing that might not necessarily even need to be there for the movie to exist. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Be honest. In, in part, I think, yeah. I am... Um, the bit... The descent into hell... I just thought felt a bit forced and a bit rushed mm-hmm. and we didn't need it and had he just made a straight up serial killer movie with that character yeah it would have blown the tits off me <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah genuinely would have it it almost diluted it for me it, it brought in a ridiculous element yeah and I don't I mean ridiculous in the classical sense of the word. I know what you mean, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It brought in this ridiculous element that soured the rest of it for me a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, you're right in what I say, though. I don't... I certainly don't dislike this, and I mean, some of the stuff in it's jaw-dropping. Yeah. Um, Really is... You know, and I don't just mean the, the shock value or the gore in certain bits. You know, it just how the fuck do you come up with some of these things? You know, it's it's that, and it, it has a very original feel to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it almost feels like a missed opportunity. It's weird because, like, we were having this conversation. Yeah, with... I, I always knew it was coming. I think it's because the, the narration from Virgil is there right from the beginning. So you kind of feel like something's going to happen. Something's in the background. You know? It's because we're chatting about this, and I'm getting deja vu to the Antichrist review. Yeah, where we were like, you know, there's there's so much about like the breakdown of a relationship, the idea wow. of trying to repair after this horrific event, the Garden of Eden, like yes. all this symbolism yep. that was there, and then if memory serves, the end of the movie was like it was one step beyond. Uh-huh. What you were like happy with, not necessarily with what you were happy with going with, but one step beyond where you actually felt the story needed to go. Yeah. And it kind of feels like, like to me, that's Von Trier's strength is like he takes you through all this stuff and then he does his massive artistic set piece at the end. And you know, you can dissect it and you can hate it or you can love it or you can drill into it and I've read plenty of reviews where people go to the fucking insular detail about exactly every depiction that he's doing throughout well this painting's from the 1600s and this uh-huh. and all the rest I don't want to have to do that it, to me at the end of the day when it finishes do I feel satisfied and me personally when it finished I felt like I'd I'd went on this huge journey and ultimately ended up where I wanted the character to end up was burning in hell which is that by the way a place that I don't believe exists because yeah. of my that my not even necessarily my upbringing but just my outlook in life the way I lead my life I don't believe heaven or hell exists but the idea that throughout this movie I really want this character to burn a horrible fucking death for all eternity and that's where he ends up part of me feels really satisfied about that even though I don't believe in it so to me Lars von Trier has done a great job because he gave me what I wanted even though he's given me something that of everything I've seen feels the most implausible but it's the thing yeah. I wanted I mean like, like what you're saying there you know the, the people that can actually take this film apart and as you say mm-hmm. reference all things like that 
Who's the time? Think, right, you know what I mean? I and right, so there's, there's so out there, there's five people that get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a real quandary, this film. It, it really is. Um, I think my overriding feeling is just missed opportunity. Yeah. That's how it feels to me, anyway. Cool, cool, right. Well, 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 with missed opportunity on our minds, we have to attribute a grade to that. I have no idea where we're going to fucking end up with this. Um, Not sure yet myself. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I, I feel sometimes chatting it out help solidify where we are let's find out if that is the case or we're going to be woolly about things Maz you know that we do things in the grades of fives on this show it's in the the great grand tradition of Dante's Netflix grade scenario of one through five one is hated it two is didn't like it three is liked it four is really liked it five is loved it you can do point fives where oh where are you putting the house that Jack built um, I'm going to give it a three. It's more than what I thought. It's more than what yeah, I thought. It's not what I, I hoped. I, thought I think I, I would be being unfair to it to give it any less than that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of really interesting, powerful stuff in here. Mm-hmm. It gets a bit diluted by the wanky shite uh, at points. <laughs> To push it, I don't think I could push it any higher than a three, but I think I'd be doing it a real disservice to put it any less. I, I once, um, I can't remember if it was read or reviewer, it was a YouTube review where the reviewer said, This is an exercise from Lars von Trier showing you how much research and how much stuff he's read and how much he knows about art and history and all the rest. I think. There's a part of that. I think it's an unfair thing because I could sit and talk about like art that I like and history books that I've read for two hours, but that doesn't necessarily make a cohesive story. But the fact he manages to do that in a movie shows that, I mean, he has an idea. He has a clear thought of what he wants to do in this movie. Whether or not he achieves it to the level that he wants... I mean, probably he would argue he did, but whether that then makes an interesting movie watch or a full movie watching experience from a viewer's perspective, that's a different story. I mean, that's uh. a different story. I, I, The thing I'm really interested about this is we have two movies left to do, and I will be honest with you, neither of the two movies and the preceding movies quite captured the idea of what a serial killer is as well as this pretentious over-the-top art house movie does. And it's I, wouldn't, weird. I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. In light of the fact I've still not seen the fifth film yet, but I have obviously watched these the, the first three, and I have seen, I've watched, extremely the wicked film. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I would fully agree with what you've said there. Yeah. Um, it's weird. That you it's have a to take visceral it depiction. Yeah. Of a serial killer. Um, far more than the film that's actually about Ted Bundy. Yeah. Well, we're we're going to get to that and uh, we'll speak a little bit more about that after our break. Ladies and gents, we're going to take a very short break just now. When we come back, we're closing out the show very quickly because this has ran long right after (laughs) this. (laughs) 
You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been Baz V. Well, I was going to say Baz V Horror, but it's Baz Halloween technically nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, it's not even Baz V Halloween anymore. It's not. We've, we've, the whole month is Baz Halloween, and if you are not happy with that, then you can GTFO, which I believe <laughs> means get the fuck out, potentially. I was going to say, I was going to try to be witty and say get the France over I don't know I, I was trying to think of an O and it slipped my mind and then I realised it was one in the morning and that's why my brain is like Duncan don't ask me to think just ask ba- me to do Baz is, Baz is sleeping he's drifting in and out you of have no idea how cute the Baz looks right now with his headphones <laughs> his mic in front of him his shorts on and his plaid shawl <laughs> festooned over his shoulders as he sits in his his sunroom yeah, because he has many rooms now. With One my of them, massive basketball shape. He has a basketball shape cushion, which I am so. I've got a shining cushion. I'm more jealous of the cushion you've got right now. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that cushion is still small to Shaquille O'Neal. So there you go. Yeah. Hashtag real facts. Um, but as we are now, we're three episodes, and this we only have two episodes left, man. I'm gutted about this because I always feel like we're just hitting our stride. Just yeah. as the season's about to be finished. You have picked two phenomenal movies to go out on. One of them is the most recent of the movies we're going to be discussing about. Yeah. By a director who did a ton of... Do- well, still around. Done a ton of documentaries, including some of those Paradise Lost documentaries about the West Memphis 3. But out with the movie that he directed that we're going to be discussing, has only ever directed one other feature movie review. Uh, well, one other feature movie, which I have reviewed which is The Blair Witch 2. Book of Indeed. Shadows. Book of Shadows. <laughs> Cue the Marlon Manson. As Marlon Manson. I'm, I'm going to be listening to that right after we finish recording. <laughs> Doll myself up in full goth paint, get the fishnet top off, and wank myself blind in one eye. That's how you look, Marlon. Manson. <laughs> That's how you do. That's how you do a Marlon Manson. Uh, but yeah, we we have we have a movie to come which stars the and I'm going to be honest. Dreamy is the word that springs to mind when yeah. discussing the mighty Zac Efron. Baz, what is that movie we're going to be doing? Uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's something like. Uh... Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Or that something like is that. about right, and it's a little movie about Ted Bundy's wilderness years. Yeah, uh, I think people thought it was going to be Ted Bundy's stabby, rapey years, which is not. Um, no, no, it's, it's Ted Bundy was an all right guy. Is the subtitle of this film? Kinda. It tries to show you that serial killers are complicated fellows, and sometimes they don't take their spouse and their kids out to a shooting field and kill them. <laughs> it's the model of this story. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. I've seen the movie when it came out. I've not watched it since. I have it all geared up, ready to rock. I know you watched it recently with the with the mini bars in tow. Uh, you and your uh, yeah, and my watched. wife as well. My wife actually watched it with us as well. Did she like it? Uh, she did. Yeah, she enjoyed mm, it. Three for three in the, the low household. I will take mm-hmm. that as a win. Um, we'll find out ultimately, though, what your overall stance is in 
well, a week's time from this recording (laughs) being released, not from this recording happening, because once again, time time (laughs) is on my side. Yes, it is. Buzz, 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 buzz. There is so many things I could say about how people should check us out, but that is not important right now. What is important is it's 10 minutes past one in the morning. You're wearing a shawl. And uh, I'm starting to get worried that maybe you may have varicose veins. So let's bring this in for a close here, my friend. (laughs) I'm concerned. I'm concerned I fall asleep on this couch and and freeze to death here. You're going to look like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. <laughs> but as which, you like, uh, which let's not forget, I thought was a scene from Game of Thrones. He did think it was a scene from Game of Thrones. Trust me, the internet and myself will never forgive him. Uh, Baz, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, folks. Um, I hope you enjoyed this more than you'll enjoy the actual film. And. <laughs> We'll see you all in a week's time for a wee bit of Zaki F. Yep, Zach Efron is my spirit animal if my spirit animal was in... Was he a high school musical? Is that where he came from? Yeah, he came from a Disney background, but I think high school musical was the one that he kind of made his name in. Is that the one you liked or was it Glee? <laughs> Glee. Stop laughing. Stop laughing. <laughs> you self, self-proclaimed enjoyer of the things that were Glee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. We're just getting that. Out that there. was before they all turned it to be fucking pedophiles and fucking yeah. drug addicts, Dr- drug addicts, and suicide merchants. Like the, yeah. the whole that whole thing has turned out to be. In fact, if anything, it feels ironic that, that show was called Glee. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> you called despair. <laughs> Maybe doesn't <laughs> sell as well. To be honest, like. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people that were on that show that did stop believing Buzz, and that is a horrible joke for a horrible time. Uh, welcome to 2020. Um, right, folks, we are going to be back in a week's time. We're going to be continue on with episode number four, the penultimate episode in Bazoween 2020. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish, broadcasting live from Under the Stairs, and I am signing off.
Jack's broken heart. <laughs> 